Okay, uh, <coughs> good evening ladies and gentlemen and welcome to the Planning Policy Working Group which as you know is broadcast live. Um, if, uh, if I may I will start with apologies for absence and declarations of interest. It's an apology. And we don't have any declarations. Okay, um, minutes of the last meeting on the 6th of April and um, the minutes did not include the address by Mr Paul Gadd uh, to the committee and these will be added and for those of you following on your um, iPads this will push back the numbers I believe of the uh, papers by three pages but we'll try and sort that out for you as we go along. Um, but taking that into account, are the minutes a true record? <coughs> Councillor Lodge. Um, thank you. On uh, PP51, let me just get there for a moment. Um, the officers to report back on water pressure level was, was one issue, and also then the terms of reference for the sustainability appraisal. Now these haven't been brought forward. Um, are we going to discuss that later in, in what is quite a serious change in the, uh, uh, in the schedule? The schedule is absolutely as it was outlined about two months ago. Um, so we haven't changed the schedule. Uh, but what we do have well, are some actions. a number of things missing, like such as that, the sustainability appraisal, there's the traffic plan, the air quality and so on, which, which are all missing. So uh, as we don't have minutes, uh, sorry, matters arising, they are actually factually wrong in the minutes there. So I wondered when in the proceedings we would address those. So we have because action they points. They surely must affect the schedule if we're not going to look at them now. The, the only item not uh, uh, on this schedule is the Sapham Walden Highways report uh, but th apart from that schedule is, is uh, uh, I don't think you were at the last Friday meeting but certainly your colleague was and we went through the schedule against the schedule so we were absolutely satisfied uh, that we're on we're on plan but there are action points on page 10 and 11 of the minutes yeah. which officers will go through shortly and okay. so maybe some of that will answer your query. So, sorry, you. Chairman, if I can just interrupt at, at, at this point. In terms of the, as regards the water pressure, uh, we did have written, answer, written answers to those two questions prepared for the last meeting, um, Chairman. So I don't know, I can't remember whether, whether we actually read them out or not, but I'm certainly happy to, happy to let members uh, have those via email because they're, they're written out. Okay, thank you. Councillor Dean. Chairman, I have a a couple of points. Uh, you, you raised the question of the um, statement by Mr. Gadd at the, um, the last meeting. Yeah. Uh, in, and, and I think the issue was about whether things were being sorted out, determined uh, in, in private meetings, which clearly is not the case. However, the, um, the second paragraph there at the end, it says the council was trying to produce a positive plan which was based on evidence and there was no element of private discussion. Uh, I don't think I can say that I never talk to anybody in private about the local plan, so I, 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 I think that's the wrong word. I think it was meant to be private determination because as far as I'm aware and quite clear nothing has been determined yet, so it's, a, it's the actual word that's been put in the minutes, which I, don't, I can't say whether that was not the word that you used, Chairman. But uh, Where exactly are you, Councillor Dean? PP 56, second paragraph. 
the last sentence. Well, I stand by that. Pardon? That's fine. You're happy with that. For those, the council was trying to produce a positive plan which was based on evidence and there was no element of private discussion. So, uh, any um, other... Well, the, we haven't got matters arising. Is this a true record? Well, the other, the other point on terms of true record, there seems to be an inconsistency because the final paragraph of PP56, which says that the... Um, the sustainability proposal will be on the agenda of the next planning policy working group meeting, which is this one, and then at PP59, it says that it will be available in June. Uh, so those two sentences aren't compatible. And, and we're about to get a verbal update uh, from officers that it is on the agenda, the scheduled agenda for June. Yeah, well, that's right. So that, in other words, I think the minutes must be wrong. Yeah, we'll make that point. Any other points on the minutes? If not, we will sign those as a true record with the comment that has just been made and the addendum for Mr. Gad's comments. Okay, let's now take, please, um, those matters arising, uh, which are um, action points on PP52 uh, to correct the reference of Great Eastern to Eastern Park. That has been corrected, thank you. Uh, PP53, to include in the agenda for the next meeting the report on gypsy and traveller accommodation. Yes, Chairman, we're still awaiting that final report, but Graham Holmes can give you a, a verbal update on where we are with that. And we should point out that that report is not within our powers. This is a broader Essex report. That's correct, Chairman. No, that's correct. Um, I mean, our, as it's referred to the, all of the Essex authorities, um, nine of those reports have been completed, but we're still waiting for, um, I think it's Basildon, there's a couple of issues outstanding at Chelmsford, which is obviously still trying to resolve before the final report's been published. But our, report, our, element of rep our element of report has been finished, but obviously we've got to wait on those other authorities. But I do keep chasing. That's the latest update I've had today, so I will keep chasing. Them. And, you know, we will have, I've made sure that we will have it in place for the next PPWG. So. Yeah, well, that is important. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as you're concerned, there's no material change to what you indicated at the last meeting. No, um, they've confirmed that there's no change to numbers and there will be no change in the report as well when it's published in, in terms of the numbers. Okay, that's reassuring. Thank you. Uh, I'm moving on to PP54 to investigate whether rural exception sites were included in the figures of other authorities. Yes, Chairman, this is in the context of uh, windfall allowances. And I think it was Councillor Dean who, who asked the question about whether, whether we intended to include our rural exception sites in, in that allowance. Um, the, as you probably recall, um, we weren't proposing to do it because the sites were quite large and we were worried that uh, there might be challenge to that because it would artificially inflate our windfall allowance. We've checked uh, with some other local authorities, some of our neighbours, and it's a mixed bag. Uh, where there are very small rural exception sites that some authorities do include them but others don't as a matter of course. So uh, my suggestion, Chairman, is that we continue uh, with the recommended approach. Uh, this was the 70 dwellings per annum uh, on a cautious basis. So we would rather have the empirical evidence backing 70 dwellings rather than have it a higher figure and then it being challenged on the basis of rural exception sites, if I'm making sense, Chairman. You're making sense. So what you're saying is you're, you're erring on the cautious side. Correct. 
Any comments on that from the group? Uh, actually, Chair, could I just comment that if we look at the minutes back of PP54, again we're told that Michael Young spoke to the meeting and a copy of his statement is attached to these minutes. Can you speak into your mic, please? Sorry. Um, as per previous comments about Mr Gadd's comment, we are told in the minutes of PP54 that a copy of his statement on windfall sites is attached to these minutes. And again, it's not. Apologies, that's uh, also online. I just, uh, the printer broke and I couldn't print off the copies of the paper. Okay. Right. Okay, thank you for pointing that out, Councillor Barker. That also will be dealt with. Um, but in terms of the material point, uh, we're satisfied. PP56, to make evidence basis for the 2016 spatial strategy publicly available in due course. Yeah, but all the, all the uh, evidence bases that are complete are available on the website, Chairman. Uh, and clearly the, the, spa the spatial strategy will uh, ultimately be derived from those evidence bases and that will be presented to the June meeting of PPWG. Any comments? Thank you. PP56, to include in the agenda for the next meeting the sustainability appraisal, including background information regarding it. I think we've already covered that off, Chairman. There's, the, there's a, a bit of a contradiction there because it was always intended to take that to the June meeting. And we will amend the minutes accordingly. Councillor Lodge. So just to say, this is the relative sustainability of, of the, new, the new settlements. So in fact, we, this committee won't see that until we get the proposed uh, spatial strategy, this, the, the proposed uh, final plan. You will see that on June the 22nd, am I correct? That's correct. That's yeah. yeah. So, okay, so, yeah. Yeah. so we will see, but there will be no, no opportunity to see and discuss prior to officers presenting their recommendations. Uh, you no. will obviously okay. get the papers yeah. uh, a week in advance of that. Okay. Uh, PP58 to change, we've done it, uh, to PP58 to include in the agenda for the next meeting the transport report and to look at introducing the air quality report at the meeting. Well, Mr Chairman, there clearly is a, a transport report and flowing out of that, when we have the uh, discussion about that report, uh, we'll probably refer to air quality issues because um, clearly there are knock-on repercussions uh, from, from transport on, on air quality. So we'll refer to that when we get to the item, Chairman. Thank you. Any comments on that? Question in general. Councillor Dean. Could, could the, in future, could these um, action points be notifi notified in some way to say what meeting they're arising from? I'm not sure whether all of these arose from the last meeting, but in order to keep track of where we are, it would be helpful if it said what the date of meeting there arose. And obviously anything that's carried forward needs to stay on the list. I'm almost certain they all came from the last meeting, but we'll, we'll do what you want to do. <laughs> yeah. um, good. Right. Thank you. Moving on. So if um, you will bear with me, we'd like to take item four ahead of item three. Um, and I'm going to ask Mr. Gillam to say a few words, then I'll be asking Mr David Hall to come to that microphone to make his comment and then we'll discuss the paper. Okay, Mr Gillam, thank you. The item thank is Uttlesford Transport Study Briefing. Thank you. This report briefs PPWG on the current position as it stands at the moment on the Uttlesford Transport Study, which comprises the district study the Junction 8 assessment and the South Cams Junction assessment. There is also ongoing work on uh, Saffron Walden as there is on air quality. 
the intention is, is that the final studies will be reported to the PPWG on the 22nd of June. However, in advance of that, I'll give the following uh, briefing and update. The district study was prepared by White Young Green, who are our transport consultants on behalf of the council, to assess the transport impacts in the district of local, local plan growth. The study is a high-level strategic assessment in line with government policy and best practice. And what that means is an iterative process, and in particular, it means that the study is done in stages with the strategic parts first, and that's an absolute requirement of government guidance that we do that. The study examines the likely transport impacts of different spatial distribution options, and it will present a comparison of the transport implications. Just briefly on the um, M8, um, on the uh, Junction 8 assessment, um, essentially there is an interim uh, improvement identified and there is also ongoing work uh, which is being pursued by Essex County Council but also Hertfordshire County Council and Highways England on identifying more major improvements and obviously those will be uh, reported in the on the 26 sorry on the 22nd uh, PPWG on the South Cams uh, junction assessment basically the council was asked by Cambridgeshire County Council to investigate the impact of potential local plan growth on certain junctions in South Cams and those are identified in the report. Basically an agreed methodology that was proportionate to the impacts and in the case of the impacts most of the impacts are not local plan growth but there will be impacts so the council did what was requested and we did a, a fairly comprehensive study on those junctions which identified the impacts and also identified the mitigation and those have been sent to Cambridgeshire County Council and we await their response but essentially they were um, happy with the methodology and with the work we have done thus far uh, again the, the final outcome can be reported at the next uh, PPWG and I think that gives a, a fairly good brief overview at the moment as to where we are. Thank you Mr Gillam uh, and uh, um, colleagues may well want to uh, uh, discuss and ask questions but it, uh, next uh, I will ask Mr David Hall to uh, make his comments. Thank you, Chairman. I'm here representing Great Chesterford Parish Council. I start by reminding you that in the 2010 core strategy, UDC stated that any development of Great Chesterford 
would require further assessment of the capacity of the A1301 and A505, the M11 junctions 9 and 10, um, as well as the B184 uh, in the context of considering any mitigating circumstances. We're now told that the mitigation work that's been undertaken and we've just heard about uh, relates solely to South Cambridgeshire and we're told that this will accommodate the proposed growth in Uttlesford. Um, now, it may satisfy the traffic position in South Cams, but it does nothing to um, deal with the substantial increase in traffic that any major development of Great Chesterford will generate as regards roads in Uttlesford in particular the B184 and B1383. Uh, we're further told in this report that, and that's on page four, that um, mitigation improvements in junction nine uh, uh, are not proposed, merely that um, junction 9A east, there of course being no access west to the M11, um, has been tested, whatever that may mean. Um, and uh, the uh, robust um, transport evidence base that uh, Highways England has um, demanded should be made um, at, at the moment is not satisfied um, by this report. All we know is that um, it, um, on page four of the uh, agenda item, uh, where it states that none of the scenarios resulted in unacceptable increased traffic flows simply flies in the face of any rational conclusion. But we know from the promoters of the North Uttlesford Garden Village um, uh, when they um, made their presentation to UDC on 27th March that they themselves accept that there are some transport capacity constraints that will have to be uh, mitigated, mitigated against. All we're told is um, in um, agenda item four, again on page four, is that quotes, no roads within the Uttlesford district are, are exceeding or approaching capacity. This is a view that Chesterford um, Parish Council strongly contests. Uh, we've made representations over a number of years about the volume of traffic on the B184 and of course the problem is going to be exacerbated as Welcome Genome and the AgriHub uh, uh, come forward for development uh, just on the other side of the A11 in South Cams. The promoters make much reference to the, the fact that Great Chesterford has a railway station and they uh, assert that um, uh, access via uh, uh, cycle tracks, um, walkways, um, buses um, should ensure that the main uh, employment sites to be served, which again are in South Cams mainly, although there's some uh, employment envisaged, further in, uh, envisaged in, in, in um, Chesterford Park, um, uh, which will um, I I enable uh, 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 Chesterford to um, sustain um, the, the um, additional volume of um, um, uh, residents travelling to and from work. But I remind you that Essex County Council said in relation to the Elston proposal in, in 2010 
and it repeated much the same comments in 2015 in response to Uttlesford's consultation document, they said, and I quote, rail services from Elsenham are less frequent than other stations in the area, including Stansted Airport, making travel from this station less attractive. The proximity of the station to the new settlement, convenient access routes, and frequency of train services are all crucial matters requiring further information. The ability to secure enhanced rail access will be important in determining sustainability." Unquotes. And I can assure you as a resident of Great Chesterford since 1972 and commuting um, up to the city that uh, in no way was I going to travel from, from Great Chesterford. I took the car either to Audley End or to Whittlesford uh, and I think that that is very likely to happen uh, were this new settlement um, to be imposed on Great Chesterford. And for those who do travel from Great Chesterford, uh, as likely as not, because the um, settlement is over a mile away from the station, they will almost certainly be using cars, and the likelihood is that Great Chesterford will be used as a rat run to gain access to the station from the settlement in exactly the same way as today. We see that um, um, the Chesterford Park taxi um, runs to and fro between um, the um, Chesterford Park and the station collecting and delivering passengers. A final remark about the present road structure. Um, the promoters of this scheme make much in their presentation about the ideal location of Great Chesterford in relation to the market town of Saffron Walden, which they, as they point out is only six kilometres from the centre of the proposed development. No one should be fooled into thinking that the proposed garden village will have anything other than massive access implications for Saffron Walden as the obvious local shopping and cultural centre of choice with all the implications that will have for traffic. And uh, I note in this connection page four of item four, agenda item four, the reference to the fact that the studies uh, have indicated that junctions in Saffron Walden are experiencing stress. In sum, given the paucity of information about the transport situation, as things stand at the present, Chesterfield Parish Council um, is unable to support one way or the other um, the uh, uh, proposal. Uh, transport lies at the heart of um, the, the success or otherwise of, of any development, and at the moment we don't see how it can be regarded as sustainable. Thank you very much. Uh, thank you very much, uh, Mr. Hall. Um, I'll make a few comments and then uh, I'm sure the working group will want to comment and perhaps Mr. Gillam could add further comments. I Just to repeat what Mr. Gillam said, which is that this part of the study was looking particularly at the Cambridge side of the, um, uh, of the equation um, and whilst you haven't had a definitive response... Sorry? It's probably worth clarifying that the study has looked at all those roads that were mentioned and the capacity is included, but basically capacity wasn't exceeded empirically. So that's the state of play. Well, it's also worth noting that the HE haven't, didn't, haven't made any, raised any concern with us, nor have um, Cambridge County Council or Essex County Council on uh, Junction 9. Obviously, Junction 10 I've already discussed. 
And, and, there, and there would need to be mitigation at Junction 10 and also at the uh, roundabout, the BP roundabout at Sawston. Exactly, yes. And, and in the longer term, the aspiration would be, well, a little bit more than an aspiration, would be to dual carriageway from the M11 through to uh, Four Ways at Abington. It's also worth adding, as, as inferred, that the, um, we have asked Cambridgeshire County Council to look at a bid that they put in uh, previously to um, the DFT for a, a major A505 uh, corridor study. And we've spoken to Essex County Council and the HE, and they are supportive of that. And that study could look in some detail at a whole range of measures, local and strategic, and obviously the, you know, that would that would cover the full gamut of things that would affect the 505. Okay, presumably there's a dialogue there with the new mayor of Cambridge and Peterborough. Um, as far as the station is concerned, um, clearly uh, Chesterfield is, is, a, is a stopping station like Elsenham, um, and I, I think that is that is recognised. Um, so uh, the points that you made, Mr. Hall, I'm, I'm sure uh, are fair ones in terms of that, that won't be to everybody's uh, suitability. Um, but uh, I think the overall comment is that um, having learnt some big lessons uh, in December 2014 uh, around Elsenham, uh, the, 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 the whole aspect of accessibility and pressure on local roads will be absolutely paramount and um, uh, this site would not be put forward unless uh, all the bodies uh, gave completely, uh, complete assurance that, uh, that would satisfy the inspector. Councillor Dean, then Councillor Barker, then Councillor Lachlan, then Councillor Lodge. Thank you, Chairman. I, I have um, two questions and the, one of them was related to the points that uh, Mr Hall has just made, the, um, the final sentence on page 32 which I think he quoted, the emerging findings of the study indicate that none of the scenarios resulted in unacceptable increased traffic flow. Um, so what immediately sprung to mind is, well, hold on, where does this leave us with what the inspector said about Elsenham, where he said that traffic flows were no good, hence threw it out. And yet this statement, unless I'm misinterpreting it, is saying that there's no problem. Um, so, so, so is this referring to something else? Or, but it, it is referring to something else. Is it? Can and you explain the, the, in the, the, the uh, nuances then, please? It'll be, it's, um, it's quite, it, basically the whole thing is done in stages. So what is referred to there would be the stage that was assessed. But the, there are issues with Elsenham. And they, are, they will be in the, um, covered in the study. And they are identified in the study. So, so, for instance, they're, they're covered by the references further up that page where it says that there is um, stress at certain junctions in Saffronwald and Newport, Felstead, Stansted, Mount Fitchett, Takeley and Dunbar. Exactly. Is, right. So it's, so, it's a, so it's a lower, and also in the it's a lower level of the, the, it's, of it's the analysis. A, the study is, is a complex one and uh, those, the... Um, what you've referred to will be is identified and um, will be available in a, in a few weeks. In a few weeks. I mean, the problem is, is this drip feed approach, which you get a quarter of a story and you try to sort of envisage a whole of the story, and, and, it, and it is very difficult, certainly for me, and I don't think I'm alone uh, in, in that. 
Can I, can I ask the other one? Because there was another, another even more confusing um, paragraph for me. It's on page 31, about two-thirds of the way down. And it starts saying, um, it says, I'll just read it. Equally, the use of active modes varies across the greatly across the district. On average, the travel to work, 11% is by active mode, and I don't know what that is, of which 91% is walking. However, 22% of such travel is by active modes in Saffron Walden, with 13% in Great Dunmo. And it goes on a bit further and then ends up saying walking is by far the most popular active travel mode in the district. I don't really know what all these percentages are about. So, I think yeah, so you well, either bike, go on a scooter, walk, whatever an active mode is that requires your heart rate to slightly increase. And the point it's making here is that oh the right. average is 11%. Um, that so it's, that's the it's higher in Saffron Walden at 22%, and we probably understand that because of the cycle route and a number of uh, people go by bicycle to Newport uh, to uh, Audience Station. 13% in Dunmo, but in the villages, uh, active mode, walking, cycling, whatever you want to classify it as, is just 5%, I think is the summary of that uh, paragraph. So, so if we all walk or bike, it'll all be all right. Uh, okay, no, I, I see what you're saying. I didn't know what the term active mode meant. It means not sitting in a car, right, or bus or train. Have you finished? Thank you. <laughs> um, did you want to speak now? Yeah, yeah. okay, Councillor Park. Could I just check that the capacity of the Four Ashes Junction at Takeley has been taken into consideration um, it's not just motor vehicles that use our roads. Um, North Essex is the provider of much gravel and sand for much of the building that's going on across North Essex and in London and down in Harlow. And all these wonderful vehicles from many quarries, including Elsenham and uh, Highwoods Quarry, do use our roads. And uh, I find that Takeley Four Ashes, um, where the parishes have just recently asked for a vehicle count, is somewhere that is particularly under stress. Yes, I have uh, seen uh, four ashes in the, uh, the study, and uh, the, the, there is a, an empirical count there, so that's there. Councillor Lockland. Thank you. Uh, well, Mr Hall uh, says that he didn't used to go to Great Chesterford train station, but rather Rittle or Audley End. No, no, Whittlesford or Audley End. Rittle would be a long way to go to catch a train. I don't know. I don't think there is a station there anyway. But, um, yeah, yeah. Whittlesford. Right, okay. Whittlesford is Cambridge going north and Audley End obviously just slopes Right, down. okay. Well, it's academic really because I do realise that there, uh, there is a sort of spread out of yeah. population. So taking Great Chesterford, which seems to have the benefit of quite a few stations to use, uh, could you please tell me, if you can, uh, the distance between, say, Great Chesterford using the centre as a point uh, in miles from... Um, so, and uh, there are two people from Chesterford who can back me up here, but uh, if you adhere to the speed limit, uh, Great, Chesterford, uh, Great Chesterford to Audley End um, is about 11, uh, 12 minutes. Uh, to Whittlesford uh, would d very much depend on the traffic because traffic builds up badly as we've heard on the 505, but cutting through the villages would be about the same time, about 10 minutes. Am I about right there? 
and both, well, particularly Audley End is a fast service. Uh, Whittlesford is uh, nearly a fast service, and, but the other stations in between are all stoppers. Sorry, can I come up? What is nearly a fast service? Well, I'm not an expert on the Whittlesford, what stops at Whittlesford. I can guarantee that Audley End is a fast service, and almost every train stops in Audley End. Yeah. Okay, well, I, just, I just want to know because it does seem to be fortunate that there, there are three stations not far away, so I just want you to get that yeah, clear in my mind. Yeah, I think the point that Mr Hall was making is that um, most early morning commuters would want to be on a fast train and would therefore take their car towards the end and therefore that would increase traffic movements. Councillor Dean. Coming on the same point, have we not previously established that the railway service will adapt to meet demand. So if demand at one particular station goes up because of changes in numbers of people who want to use it, then, uh, and I thought there were discussions taking place with the railway people which in indicated that that is the way they would operate. If they've got more customers, they'll provide more services. I, I, and uh, I think in one of the reports of Abelio, our uh, a, a key um, consortee, um, th th this is a balance, isn't it, between getting people as quickly as possible from Cambridge to London uh, and operating a fast service and, uh, and also doing what you just said, which is to pick them up from the main centres of population. So uh, I don't know how sophisticated that um, discussion is yet. And the study has tried to pick that up um, in some detail. It picks up the um, improvements that Abilio are making and also some of the constraints that apply as well because of obviously some of it would require improvement to track but that is discussed in some, some length in the study. Okay thanks and you'll also be aware of course that there is a study in terms of for tracking part of that line so that's another part of the equation. Uh, uh, Councillor Mills. <coughs> Uh, thanks, Chairman. Um, sorry, I beg your pardon. Sorry. I'm sorry, Councillor. <coughs> I'm going to ask what you're going to ask. Um, have you got the full report? Not currently, no. Right. How, much, have, of the report, how much of the report have you got? In a percentage? I don't know. It's right. impossible to tell in, in a percentage. <coughs> but it, it will be available. In, it is on track to complete, certainly within the time. What frame. I'm concerned about, and what I think everybody ought to be concerned about, is that we're getting it on the 22nd of June, and we've basically got no time then to actually look at that in the context of the settlements and everything else that's going forward. So is it going to be possible? Are we going to have it in paper form or some way in a couple of weeks' time so that we've at least got some time to work with it? It'll be in advance, it's, uh, it's a week in advance, the intention was a w for a week in advance of that. Um, obviously we'll have to consider that. Councillor Mills makes an important point and uh, obviously uh, there, is, uh, there is some consultation with members uh, before the 22nd, so uh, I think it'd be helpful if, if um, you know, the major points of that survey were, um, will, will inevitably be part of your presentation, but uh, uh, to have sight of that. Okay, Councillor Lodge. Thanks, Chair. Um, I, think, I think my first question has been answered. I was just, just trying to just clarify what, what we got here. And what we appear to have is um, a strategy extra settlement. So that, so that the, once the cars get out of their settlements, you, have a, you appear to have a confidence here that, as the bottom of page 32 says, that uh, none of the scenarios resulted in unacceptably increased traffic flows. Um, those settlements were 
done higher up on page 32, and I think that probably Elsenham, anyone else, sorry, Elsenham did get missed out of there, I'm sure that uh, that would work. Just first of all, and I do have a, a real question, is, that, that's my understanding, and, and the other ones are, are coming later. Yeah, thank you. Um, I think there's a comment on Chelmer Mead, isn't there, about accessibility in the report? Yes, there are more detailed uh, reports. There are more detailed comments, and some are, are alluded to in, in the, uh, the IDP, but obviously it's, it, it's a matter of stages, and it's a, a matter of how much detail is gone into, and it, it, I don't think it's of that much benefit to cover individual issues on their own when the whole report will be available and the whole thing can be seen together and compared, I think that would, that would be better. I think the key point is that there are a number of, 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 of sites mm -hmm. where at this stage um, highways transportation is not a, a blocking factor. But clearly councillors will have to be convinced about that. Mm -hmm. yeah. Okay, sorry, following that, um, that was just an understanding. I have, I have two questions. First one is um, Regarding, I think, the, the, A, the A120, as we know, we have a possibility of uh, effectively three new settlements along the A120. Uh, we have Chelmer Mead, we have Priors Green, I think it is. Um, are we really 100% sure that if the choice was for all of these settlements, the A120 could take that traffic flow and into the M11. Is that one of the 27 scenarios, or have you already made some prior selection? There are actually four along the 120, if you're going to do it that way. Um, but I don't think... Yeah, I was underestimating. But I, yeah. I, I, I don't think there's a logical um, sequence of thought there, because I don't think at, it, at, the, at this stage uh, they're not suggesting that. Uh, I don't know if you'd like to add to that, Mr. Gillam. Yeah, Mr. Mills very wants to come in as well. What we test is the extent of impact. So what we try and identify are the worst possible impacts. So we, we, we have the, the scenarios have been designed in such a way that they would satisfy the County Council and the HE. And um, White and Green have come gone to some length to um, establish those scenarios. Thanks. Councillor Mills. <coughs> so just to confirm, that would also include all of the west of Braintree, the 10,000, and all of Marks Tay, and the A12 coming across from Kelverdon on the new link road? Yeah, but what you've got to remember that uh, you're, you're talking... Yeah, I mean, you, you're now talking uh, 25 years' time. Yeah. Uh, well, 10,000, you're talking about... Yep, yep, absolutely. 50 years time yep. so um, already uh, as a uh, secure government proposal is to dual carriageway the A120 uh, uh, to um, from uh, Galley's uh, roundabout right the way through to a, a widened A12 and that finance is in place uh, there's a medium term strategy to junction 8 of the 11, uh, on the um, 11 with a proposal that that uh, subsequently becomes a major <coughs> Uh, renovation, possibly moving the service station. So, um, you know, as always, it, this, is, this is an initiative exercise. Councillor Lees. Just checking that the, none of the scenarios resulted out of the 27. Is this 
the work, has it been done locally? Is it local work or is it just the major highways? I'm a little bit confused. I mean, are, are, you, are you, are these 27 scenarios, are you looking at the B roads and the rubbishy roads around Takeley and, and Elstham and other areas? Basically, the, uh, the study, um, I keep saying stages, but uh, it goes through, it covers stress throughout the whole district. So it does cover B roads and A roads and there, there is even a, a, a breakdown in uh, of what the impact of the difference between the two are between those and the A120 and the, and the M11. So the answer to your question is yes, they are covered. Sorry, and they have been covered in this study. We will yes. Councillor Parker. Chairman, I think with the, I think the words being used today, the paucity of information we have in this document, um, I think we are prolonging the argument. I think we need to see the paper, and we probably need a whole day workshop to argue over it. Um, but I think we are where we are, um, because we all have, I mean, Councillor Mills hasn't mentioned, but um, Little Dumbo has the potential to send a whole load of traffic down the whatever road it is into Chelmsford through Felston Village. You know, there are all these things that will come out in the detail. But at the moment, you know, without that level of detail, I think um, we should probably move on a bit. Yeah, we should, but it's a very important point. But I think that the... Uh, Mr Fox, you want to... Yeah, yeah sorry, sorry, Chairman. Yeah, just to concur with um, Councillor Barker, what, what we certainly didn't want to do is the studies and actually finalised now and, and I, I will use percentages because I'm that sort of person I would say crudely with sort of 90-95% there but what we wouldn't want to do chairman is to present more full information this evening and potentially mislead anybody so it, we're in a difficult in a bit of a difficult place there so what we're trying to do is give a high level overview uh, but obviously we didn't want to drill into too much detail when the study isn't actually complete, finally completed yet. So, uh, and there will be other reasons why, Councillor Leeson, sorry, Councillor Davis, you go ahead, Councillor Leeson, then Councillor Davis. Just to clarify then, you've said it's 95% complete, the study, the traffic study. Yeah, I mean, I've not been directly as involved as no, Alan no, no. Gillen, but yeah, that, 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 that would be my so, understanding, yeah. So, if I may, I, I feel the time frame is very short from getting the complete study until we make a decision. I perfectly, I feel that I'm capable at looking at 95% of something and I, I would like to ask that we have it a bit earlier and I think that most people here would, am I wrong? I think most people would agree. I, I'm capable at looking at 95%. I won't, I'll try not to get my knickers in a twist about anything or, or bring it up but I, I think we're quite capable of looking and I think we need it before the time frame that has been said. I certainly need it before the time frame has been said. Well, we've already okay? taken that point and uh, we'll do our best on that one. Don't forget that uh, there are other considerations as to what makes a suitable site. Um, so some of the sites might be withdrawn on other grounds, in which case you're then narrowing it down to the particular points about that uh, shortened list. Councillor Davis. Yeah, just a similar, similar point, really. It was the question I asked at the last... No, no, you didn't know what I was going to ask. <laughs> but it was just a question around the, the Essex County Council piece and the, the, the traffic work there. Is that still kind of on schedule? Because given that that was something that, that, that was a challenge the last time, and it's, I think it's prescient in, in probably a lot of our minds. Yep. Yes, um, the County Council are prioritising that work and uh, meetings are ongoing and uh, work is, uh, is going on that apace, in my understanding. On time. 
<laughs> because you haven't told me that. Yeah, they will have to be. But don't forget that we, we, we're using our own consultant, um, uh, White Young Green. So Essex County Council, the Highways Authority, uh, they will be asked by the inspector, do you, do you approve these recommendations? And they will either say yes or no. Uh, but we would want our own, having learnt some lessons in the past, we would want our own empirical evidence that supports that. Good. Councillor Lodge. Thanks. Sorry, I did say I had two questions. Yeah, you did. Yeah, yeah. So, um, for, the, for, the, for the more detailed work then, we have our own consultants, but I'm still confused as to, as to what the Essex role is. So, the final report on, on the traffic situation in Saffron Walden, will that be produced by Essex or by our consultant? The Saffron Walden work is produced by the County Council but it has to be seen by our consultants. Hence, the importance of appropriate uh, consultants making their, uh, their comments. I mean, basically, we've been doing the, uh, the full district study in conjunction with the, the county council, and obviously we need to send them the final draft for their comments and hopefully they'll be brief as they've been involved throughout the process as will be those of HE. But obviously there is a process to be gone through and that's why we want to try and get the whole... Obviously we'll try and get the document to you as soon as possible, but we want to try and get a good document to you as soon as possible that we know our partners can sign up to. So we, we, we've got two eyes on this one. Councillor Lodge, I think is what he's politely saying. I find myself agreeing with Councillor Barker here that we actually need to get together and, mm. and, and look at this beforehand. I mean, a full day's workshop might be excessive, but you know it's been my constant concern that we... This is very much more of a, um, a planning policy learning group rather than a planning policy working group. We've spent, we've spent no time discussing solutions and I really want to discuss solutions, yeah. so I think this is a good place to do it. Well, obviously experts are looking at the solutions in terms of, of transport and highways, uh, and it's then for us to either accept or, or, or otherwise those recommendations. But we're going to fast-track through this as soon as we can, the, yeah, indeed, the 95, 96%. Exactly. That point has been taken. Yeah. Chairman, as Essex County Council has been brought in, could I just declare an interest as an Essex County Councillor? Right. Yeah. Okay. Noted. Okay, are we content to move on? Uh, thank you. Uh, thank you, um, Mr. Gillam. And um, the recommendation is to note the briefing with the final outcomes published studies to be reported in full, but we're now asking for that in advance of that. So, and uh, we'll ask officers to see if we can have a special uh, session uh, on the transport study in advance. Yep. So that's the action from that. Good. Okay, going back then to item three. I've got um, three speakers on that. I've got um, Mr. Aldrich, Mr. Thompson, and uh, Mrs. Barron. So I think we'll take those um, those three speakers now, and then um, we'll uh, move on to uh, the comments from Mr. Fox. So I don't know who would like to go first. Mr. Aldrich first. Yep, that's fine. Yep. Uh, thanks, Mr. Chairman. My name is Chris Aldrit, and I'm from Little Eastern Parish Council. Uh, were the land securities proposal for Eastern Park New Town 
of up to 10,000 houses to be included in the new local plan, it would totally change the heritage and rural character and appearance of not only Little Eastern, but also Great Dunmo and the whole of the area for generations to come. This is not just about the proposal to build 3,500 houses in Little Eastern in this plan period, it's about land security's avowed intention to build up to 10,000 houses on Eastern Park in future planned periods. This would be a new town larger than Great Dunmo, as big as Camborne, and create an urban sprawl from Great Dunmo through Woodlands Park, along the Stortford Road where the Barrett's development is going to be built, through Eastern Park Newtown and onto Little Canfield, Takeley and Bishop Stortford. If you want to see the future, drive from Dunmo to Little Canfield and Takeley and Bishop Stortford and imagine that in, in years to come. The 3,500 houses proposed in this plan period would be an isolated settlement accessed via the single existing quarry entrance road, which, as the quarry will be working for another 15 years, will need to be rerouted around the quarry. I mean, a journey of at least a mile, I've not measured it, but I would guess well above a mile, from the entrance to the beginnings of the estate, with the new settlement, alongside the gardens of Eastern Lodge and Park Road a journey well in excess of a mile, as I say, possibly a mile and a half. Agenda item three, referring to Eastern Park, says in section two, to serve a new settlement of 10,000 new homes, as a minimum, two access points will be required. It also says, unless an additional access point onto the strategic highway network can be identified, excuse me, and delivered, then access to Eastern Park is a risk to scheme delivery. I'd like it noted that at a recent meeting with Land Securities, the Vectos Transport Consultant, David Bird, representing Land Securities, confirmed absolutely and categorically that Park Road in Little Eastern will never be used as an access road for construction or residence traffic for the development. And Councillor Rolf, who was at the meeting, agreed this was a key requirement of the proposal being considered no residential traffic, no construction traffic. The council will be well aware from bitter experience with developments such as Flitch Green that it is critical the developer provides infrastructure early in the construction period. Land Security said in the meeting I've talked about that infrastructure for the 3,500 houses would be provided by the end of the plan period. Early and mid-term occupants of that site would be completely isolated there is no doubt the actual provision of infrastructure would be dictated and determined by the overall intention to build 10,000 houses. A key issue is the impact on the heritage of Little Eastern. And agenda item seven details assessments of the various proposals. If you have read it, which I hope you have, you cannot help but be concerned by what appear to be completely different criteria applied when comparing Eastern Park with other proposal sites, with key factors which are dismissed as completely unimportant in Little Eastern, suddenly becoming classed as critical in other areas. Read it and you will see. Three minutes isn't enough time to address the whole issue. Our parish councillor Andy Dodsley has sent all of you an email with a list of questions 
that we would either like you to ask or come back to us about because they are all relevant to that heritage assessment which is of great concern to us. It is critical that for the new local plan to pass scrutiny, the sites chosen should be the best and most suitable sites based on an open and unbiased approach. If that approach is taken, then we believe that rather than being led by developers with the adverse effect it would have on the area for generations to come, Eastern Park should not be included in the new local plan. Thank, Thank you. you, Mr. Aldrich. Uh, Mr. Thompson. Do you want to speak? <coughs> no? In which case, um, we will go to um, Mrs. Barron. Did you want to talk on the item? No, I think it's just been a misunderstanding. Okay, okay, fine. Uh, Wendy Barron, Vice Chairman of Great Dunmore Town Council Planning Committee. Great Dunmore Town Council thanks the District Council for the opportunities to meet with Council Rolfe and also with Land Securities and their agents regarding the Eastern Park new settlement. Our concerns and questions have been aired at these meetings and as a result Land Securities are preparing an updated prospectus to clearly show the location of the proposed new settlement which would start in the Eastern Lodge area of Little Eastern. It appears that the area for the homes in Phase 1 revisits the site that was allocated in the draft local plan in the late 1980s. This proposal was abandoned at a public inquiry in 1991 and there is little new evidence to suggest that this site is any more suitable now. The background reports to this meeting show that this is a unique area with similar material considerations to those considered by the Secretary of State for the land west of Great Dunmore, which was dismissed on appeal in 2016. Our comments on your agenda items are as follows. Infrastructure. The land west of Great Dunmore site proposed similar community buildings and employment land. Depending on the ultimate size of the Eastern Park settlement, the result could be no more than a large housing estate in an unsustainable location with few or no community benefits. <coughs> Transport. We have asked land securities for confirmation of the distance between the employment site on the A120 and the proposed housing development. In the meantime, an internet search has shown that the distance between Eastern Lodge and Bluegates Farm by the existing footpath is two miles. No other access roads are proposed and the local village roads have already been discounted as unsuitable through the application process on land west of Great Dunmo. The access road will have to be shared by the quarry traffic, all the vehicles associated with the site construction and residents as they move in. All these vehicles will use the A120 junction which is the main access point into Great Dunmo. Point three, wildlife, landscape and heritage considerations detailed in the background reports for this meeting are significant and there would be a far greater impact on listed buildings than there would have been for land west of Great Dunmo. On reading the heritage impact assessment for Eastern Park, we request a written response to the following questions. Can you please confirm that you will amend the assessment under 2SSI to show that Stone Hall and Knott's Hall is grade 2 listed, grade 2 star listed. 
The Eastern Lodge Great House is in Great Dunmo, um, within a triple SI High Wood. Why have officers suggested, that this, suggested this as an additional access route for the new development? And can you confirm that the independent heritage impact assessment called for will be commissioned by UDC and not land securities? The Great Dunmo Neighbourhood Plan identifies key positive features to the northwest of the town and delivers a set of principles for delivering the plan's vision, specifically to prevent urban sprawl and the amalgamation of Great Dunmo with a neighbouring settlement of Little Eastern. Employment. Unlike proposals to the north of the district, there is no new booming source of local employment, and we are concerned that airport-related business was suggested for the proposed employment site on the A120. Firstly, we are aware of the long-standing UDC policy to restrict airport-related business to within the airport boundary. Secondly, there are no, now no major plans to expand the airport with a second runway. In summing up, we consider that this proposed new settlement, with the only deliverable homes for the planned period being in a remote and unique historical area of Little Eastern, would prove to be unsustainable. The impact on Great Dunmo through the A120 access would be considerable, with few or no community benefits. We respectfully ask that our views be taken into account. Thank you very much. Um, all views will be taken into account. You've asked three specific questions, so I don't know whether we're in a position to answer tonight or otherwise we'll answer those questions and put them in the minutes. Um, but we'll, 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 we'll... Yeah, yeah, we have. Yeah, but... so, sorry, sorry, Chairman. Uh, yeah, if, if Councillor, Councillor Barron would like to forward them to myself... We've got a copy. We've got a copy anyway. Yeah. Okay, fine. Yeah. I'm happy to respond, yeah. Yeah, and we'll put those responses in the minutes. So... Uh, in general terms, uh, so I think uh, if I'm correct, those are the, the two speakers now on item three. So over to you, Mr. Is it you, Mr. F oh, sorry, it's Troy, of course. Sorry. Yeah. Thank you, Chairman. So we have prepared the su summary paper of emerging findings for the infrastructure delivery plan, which is known as the IDP. Uh, so just to clarify, the IDP is it's a piece of evidence base, but it's also a document that will be read alongside the, the local plan um, to demonstrate that the, that the local plan is deliverable. So it will set out what the infrastructure needs are, uh, what the delivery responsibilities are and what the costs are. So that's, that's what the final document will, will look like uh, to, to 20, 2033, so over the whole plan period. Um, it's important to, to, to stress that this is only a summary of the emerging uh, findings. It's not completed yet. There will be a full report um, will be, that will be provided alongside the plan. In terms of the evidence base that we used to prepare the infrastructure delivery plan, it consisted of the Council's evidence base, uh, evidence provided by promoters at the promoters' evenings, um, discussions and workshops that we've had with uh, a number of bodies, including agencies such as Highways England, uh, Environment Agency, infrastructure providers, so wastewater infrastructure providers and others, um, and also workshops with, um, that promoters attended as well. There are still some pieces of evidence that, that we are waiting on, so those include uh, the transport evidence that you've already, that you've already heard about, um, input from, from the county regarding highways, we are still awaiting some comments from the county, um, and also we have a meeting with Tim's Water on, on, on Monday. So we are awaiting that, that meeting and those other pieces of evidence before we can complete the study. Uh, 
Um, and as I already said, we did have significant engagement with a number of bodies in preparing the, the IDP. So it's important to, to keep in mind that it is a, li it is a living document. I've, I've worked on a number of these in the past. And um, as more information becomes available about infrastructure in terms of the type, costs, and responsibilities, we can update that through the infrastructure delivery plan um, up until we sub submit it to the inspector for examination. So the, the report that we have provided you, just it does provide some context in terms of national, national planning policy. Um, one of the things I wanted to note that it's important uh, uh, to just make you aware, the IDP addresses strategic infrastructure provide, uh, priorities as distinct from very localized in infrastructure needs arising from individual planning applications. So it is a strategic look at the infrastructure requirements uh, over the plan period. We provide a list of who we've engaged with in preparing the IDP. And just to talk a little bit about the, the methodology, so we do break down the types of infrastructure uh, that are in the IDP and uh, we define those. So we define those into three categories, one being physical infrastructure, including transport, utilities, water and waste, social infrastructure, schools, educational facilities, health, social well-being, emergency services, social and community infrastructure, and then green infrastructure, so design landscapes, including country parks, natural and semi-natural green spaces. And then we go on to categorize infrastructure into uh, we would call these priorities. I think it's important to remember that these are, are really about the importance of delivery and phasing. So it's important that these types of infrastructure are in, are in place in order to deliver the growth that you're planning for. So in terms of critical, this type of infrastructure is, is, is whereby the delivery of the identified infrastructure is critical and without it, the development simply can't commence. In terms of necessary infrastructure, it's, a, it's infrastructure uh, that is required to support new development, but the precise timing and the phasing is less critical and development could commence ahead of its provision. And then important infrastructure, its delivery of the identified infrastructure is important in order to help build sustainable communities, but the timing and phasing is not critical. So hopefully that provides you with a, with a, a good overview of, of how we've prioritized things. In terms of the findings, I'll just quickly run through these. Uh, in terms of physical infrastructure, uh, one of the key issues was the M11 and, and Junction 8, so we've identified that as, as critical. Um, it has been identified as having a severe level of congestion, um, and there have been inter interim solutions uh, been funded. A uh, solution will still be required and able to accommodate traffic associated with additional growth over the plan period. And we understand this is likely to appear in the next road, roads investment strategy by, by Highways England. And we set out a number of other um, issues that have been raised through, through the IDP process. I won't, I won't go through all of those. Another key critical sort of area that, that we've identified is, is wastewater infrastructure. So this is in relation to the provision of water infrastructure um, that could potentially risk uh, the spatial distribution of growth uh, in the local plan. Uh, it's considered that the growth in the existing towns and settlements can be accommodated, but upgrades will be required uh, to the foul sewerage network. So wastewater infrastructure networks will need to be um, upgraded or new infrastructure will need to be provided. Um, particularly growth at the proposed new garden communities will place additional burdens on the foul water capacity over and above this. Um, it is important that funding for the wastewater infrastructure is brought into the asset management plans for Anglian Water 
and for Thames Water, which run from 2020 to 2025. So that's their next that's their next round of funding. In relation to the wastewater infrastructure issue, uh, the EA has advised us that the level of discharges into water courses is currently at its limit, and that additional permits for increased discharges may not be granted. So this is something that we are speaking to the EA about, but it is something they have raised and, and we will need to address. In terms of social infrastructure, just quickly point out in, in regards to education, um, we, have, we have identified this as being a necessary infrastructure and that some potential um, issues at, in terms of the scale of growth in Saffron Walden and Great Dunmo uh, will likely require new primary school provision. And potential challenges in Thaxted and Takeley uh, where the scope to expand existing schools is limited. In terms of green infrastructure, uh, the research that we've looked at demonstrates there's a high proportion of households in the, in the district that have limited access to natural green space um, and that there has been identified need for a new country park in the district. So there's a question about where that would be provided and, and who would manage that, that country park. Those are some of the, the headlines from, from the work that, that we've done. As I said, we, there's a full report sitting behind this um, that will be published in, in due course. Thank you very much, Councillor Parker and Councillor Dean. Thank you. Um, on your physical infrastructure, we mentioned water, and I'm astonished that I don't see affinity water on your list of people we've spoken to. We have distinct problems with water pressure mm -hmm. in areas that are supplied by affinity water, so I, I'm wondering where we are on that one. And the second thing I don't see in your social infrastructure is if we are potentially building new towns, settlements for 3,000, 5,000, 10,000 people, from day one, you, may, you need what I would call a community builder. You need somebody who actually brings these people together, who starts preschool groups, who, or helps people start preschool groups, who helps form um, a community. Um, we have large developments across the district which have not always become communities. Maybe they straddle parish boundaries. That doesn't help issues. Um, but they need to become communities, and they need support to become communities. Um, and I would be fascinated to know how you would intend to improve the roads in Dunmo Town Centre. Do you want to take that one? Thank you, Chairman. In terms of speaking to Affinity, as far as, as, far as I'm aware, we have reached out to them. Um, but we can we can do a follow-up to ensure that we have actually spoken to them. It wasn't it wasn't necessarily uh, be, because it wasn't necessarily a, a piece of infrastructure that we were looking to provide. It was more of a, an existing um, and existing conditions in terms of water pressure. But it's something that we can look into a little bit further and, and get in touch with them again. Do either of you want to talk about the infrastructure in Dumbo Town Centre? Something that the IDP hasn't looked at is the existing def deficiency. So we do set that out in the report, but this is really about um, you know, existing growth and how we accommodate that. So if there's something specific about uh, the town centre we need to be looking at as part of the IDP, we're happy to look at that. As I said, it's a living, it is a living document. So as the proposals for the plan become more clear, we can then look at potential strategies for addressing those, those type of issues that, that are more localised. Thank you. Councillor Loughlin. Oh, sorry, Councillor Lee. And Councillor Loughlin. I'm looking at the 
I'm looking at the uh, references to physical infrastructure on pages 22 and, and 23, and, and I'm, I, I think I may be suffering from not having read the whole report rather than only this, uh, this summary, because if I, if I start by reading the bullet point at the top of page 23 relating to Takeley, it, it tells me that the, the main risk to this development is the pressure that will be put on Junction 11, Junction 8 of the M11. It doesn't, it doesn't refer to anything else. And yet if I read the paragraph on Eastern Park, which is a much larger, or would be a much larger development, um, it does refer to the need rather than desirability of two access points and, and flags that up as a, as a risk but makes no reference to the M11. And, and similarly with uh, the west of Braintree or east of Stebbing as we like to call it, um, development in the last bullet point, again there's no, there's no reference to M11 Junction 8. Um, and despite the fact, I, I mean, I recognise that it's further away, but it doesn't mean to say that traffic isn't going to be heading to the M11. So I'm, I'm just, I'm not getting a, I'm not getting a clear picture here that I can uh, get my head around and then start to work out what it, what it all means. In terms of understanding what it all means, I think it will become clear once you once you see the, the full report. These are, these, are really the head, these are really the headlines, um, and as my colleague, Mr. Gillum, just explained as well, there's, uh, there is a risk of you know, providing too much information without having uh, had a chance to speak to all the necessary providers uh, and see all the evidence base. So um, what we have done is we've tried to give you a number of the, the, the key sort of issues, critical points that have come out from the work that we've done on the IDP to date. I think in relation to the, your point on the M11, that is a, that is a point that has been raised by, uh, by, by the county and by Highways England in terms of the Junction 8 access in relation to, to Takeley. So that's why, we've, that's why we've included it there. So, so really you're saying the things that you flagged up here are lines of inquiry rather than conclusions, or more lines of inquiry rather than conclusions? No. I, I think it's probably fair to say that um, anything in here isn't necessarily a full conclusion until we've been able to look at all the evidence base. So this is really a snapshot in time, a summary of the IDP and the work that's been, been done to date. If I can just fo follow up on those comments, yes, in, in response to the specific question about the A120 and Junction A, yes, you're absolutely right. Of course, that all those proposals potentially will have impacts on Junction 8. I think. I think what, uh, what Troy Hayes is, is referring to is, is taking the specific localised issues um, sort of over and above the, the, the general increase in traffic flows that, that, uh, that necessitates a specific reference. But clearly, you're obviously right, all of them will have impacts on Junction 8. Councillor Lachlan. Thank you. I'm going to talk dirty now because I'm going on to foul water sewage. Um, it says. Although it is considered that growth in the existing towns and settlements can be accommodated, upgrades will be required to the foul sewage, sewage network. Growth at the proposed new garden communities will place additional burdens on foul water capacity over and above this. Um, those of us that remember the Fairfield application 
which was refused, as we all know, uh, was for 800 homes, and that had to have a new sewage plant in a field in Elsinham. Uh, and so if that was for 800 houses, how much space and how much capacity will it need to build this amount of houses? Will there need to be a new sewage works? Because you're not going to be, upgrade, be able to upgrade an existing one to that amount, surely. So, and that will, that will take an awful lot of this, this land that is proposed for housing. So if you could give me some kind of answer on that, please. So we have been speaking, as we said, to Anglian Water and Thames Water to try to get a better understanding about what the requirements would actually be, what upgrades would be, and what new infrastructure would look like, where it would be located, what the costs would be. They, it's like chick, chicken and egg situation whereby they want to know for sure where you're going to be putting growth, and then they, and then they are able to give you a more definitive answer. Um, so we have been working with those infrastructure providers and the developers to try to work out what the potential solution would be, uh, but I'm afraid we don't have a, a full answer to that question at the moment. Does that mean, well, you, you don't know is the answer. I mean, is it, go, what I'm asking you, is it going to take up a great deal of space on land where this development will take place over and above the development land? Will that be included in the development? Uh, there will be a cost, but I, I imagine that the developers will put that on the price of the new homes. Uh, so if you could... I know you can't give me a definitive answer, but I don't think your answer is good enough if you don't mind. In terms of working out a detailed, a detailed solution as to how you deliver additional wastewater infrastructure that we think is going to be required uh, to, serve these, you know, to serve the new settlements, that level of work hasn't been undertaken yet. But clearly it would be. I mean, you've got to remember what this is. This is a local plan. It's not a planning application. Um, and uh, typically what coming, is coming to your planning committee is a planning application, which is a different beast. But um, it, 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 it is inconceivable uh, that you build a new settlement that cannot cope sufficiently for the future uh, foul water requirement. So uh, that would absolutely have to be built in. Otherwise, you would never get planning permission. Well, I do, I do understand that, Councillor Rolf. I'm asking how much space it would take up over and above, or would it be in the development itself? I know you can't tell me. I can't imagine that 3,000 going to 10,000 homes, that that's uh, the existing, or even an upgrade to the existing, would be enough. As I say, it really, it really depends on the on the detailed solution. So we have had developers telling us that they can treat some of it on site, um, that there are new technologies that allow them to do that by using sort of um, on, on site sort of treatment facilities uh, and in more sort of natural ways, more green ways. Um, so it really depends on whatever sort of options are looked at and then what, what the solution is in the end. So that level of detail just hasn't been worked up yet. So um, I'm afraid I, I can't really take it any further than that. Councillor Lees. In, in the plan, can you make a can we make a decision on the foul water? And actually, going back to the Fairfield, was the initial plan was, if you remember, to transport loads of sewage by road on the lorries from the site. 
Is there any way in this planning policy working group that we can write that that's not going to be acceptable right from the beginning? Absolutely. I'll repeat what I said. It is inconceivable that uh, any site, and there has there have to be a number, um, and we'll find out what that number is shortly, uh, but there will be a number of new settlements, and ev each one will have to be sustainable. Otherwise, you won't get planning permission. I mean, the idea that you, you, you won't have a sufficient water supply or a si sufficient access, it won't get planning permission. The inspector won't approve it. Councillor Davis. Thank you. Not, maybe not so much a question, but an observation. So I think, I think we're in a situation where we have the headline, but not the, the, the full story. And I was always told to be aware that the devil's in the detail. Um, so I think it would be good for us to have access to that information. And speaking of bullet point six specifically on, on the physical infrastructure, you know, it, it, it's talking about sort of material risks to scheme delivery for um, access to uh, Eastern Park. Um, and, and from a sort of Dunmo perspective, I think I think the important thing for me is that how we take what's clearly a, a kind of principles-based methodology and, and observations, and how we then take them as we go forward. So I think for me tonight, I'm not going to probably learn much more than, than what's in front of me. I think that the key thing is is how we then connect that into Councillor Rolf's comments around you're just not going to, it's not going to pass muster unless you can absolutely prove all of the things that are required. So I've got a bit of a disconnect, which is really, this is really interesting, it, but it's what we do next with it that actually is the important piece. Okay, uh, Councillor Mills. <coughs> um, just to allay some people's fears, I think um, all of the development proposals that we've had have had some provision for sewage treatment works and or detail. I know in the West of Braintree one there was a large sum of money allocated. I know the same thing is also in the Eastern Park one. So the developers are thinking about these things. They have allocated monies against systems and I'm sure that the detail will be worked out as it comes forward. So just before we conclude this item and go on to item five, um, just in response to uh, Mr. Aldrich and Mrs. Barron's points, um, we, we had a presentation by Land Securities for um, the Little Eastern um, proposal and um, I, I hope that was helpful and I qualify everything with an if. Uh, so if, uh, and this applies to any of the developments, but I absolutely encourage you to retain that dialogue because you raised a number of points that are key to your community and um, over my dead body, probably literally, uh, would there be access uh, down Park Road? So, you know, that absolutely is a very thick red line in the sand. Um, and there is the question of the second access to the site, and that is being discussed. But it, it absolutely won't be there. Uh, but the other points you make, and, and, and you know, the, um, the house, uh, the gardens, the park, in terms of what the mitigation, the protection of your community against a, a, a new settlement um, so that you don't see it. I think one of, your, one of the letters that we've received was about light pollution. Well, clearly, what are the mitigations there? I, it is terribly important that there is a three-way dialogue between the local community, probably expressed through its parish council, uh, with Uttlesford planners, with the developer. I'm absolutely insistent on this because these houses are going to go somewhere. Uh, so, um, at that point, it's terribly important that we take into account, I, I guess you're not going to get everything, but there are some very important things that are, are for you red lines. Um, and so, 
I do encourage you to maintain that dialogue. We'll, we we want to support you in terms of, of that because, uh, you know, in, in time we want to look back on these settlements and say actually they were quite good, uh, they were sustainable, uh, they were environmentally friendly, they, include, they incorporated every aspect of modern building um, and actually they've been a good integration to Uttlesford as a whole. So, um, anyway, so in general terms, I encourage you, like, without answering every one of your specific points. Um, good. Well, if we cut, Councillor Dean. A, a very minor point, just as a, a correction. In um, Green Infrastructure, paragraph 414, it talks about the railway running from Braintree to Stansted. It never went anywhere near Stansted, either airport or Mount Pitchett, run to Bishop Stortford. Yeah, I did wonder about that myself, but uh, yeah, anyway, okay, so you've corrected that, thank you. Um, so we, we, yeah, sorry. Just, just one really small point. Councillor Baron mentioned there were some changes that land securities were taking away and kind of bringing back. Um, it'd be quite interesting to actually just have sight of what that, what that is. Um, yeah, when, when that's available. Yeah, sure, sure. Uh, so um, we were asked to, to note that report, which we've uh, duly done. So this, we now move on to agenda items five, six, and seven. Are we to take these as three? Yes, Chairman. Because I've got some possible, speakers yes. on six and I've got some speakers on seven. So I think what we'll do is we'll take the speakers. Mr. Gregory is on six, Mr. Evans is on six, and then Mr. Gadd, who's on seven. So, uh, Chairman, before we start, could I just point out that a bullet point seven in this, where we discuss ward-specific ward impact, we have failed to mention the impact on Dunmo and at least of these proposals. You go down to the bottom of your table there. Yeah. It's the wards that might be affected by these proposals. We have failed to mention at least and, and Great Dunmo. Which seems to be so if that could a big be corrected, remiss. We need to affect that. Yeah, so it's in the box at the top of page 36. Okay, so uh, Mr Gregory, thank you. Reminding you it's three minutes. I was recording the previous speaker's numbers less than 49 seconds. I'm sure you were fooled me the same courtesy. So, well, that was a remiss of us, so I shall um, ask Mr. Glenday to start his watch for three minutes. Apologies that we slipped over the last time. 49 seconds, Chairman. Yeah, no, three minutes in the future. <coughs> Good evening. Thank you, Mr. Chairman. Um, Neil Gregory, representing Great Chesterford Parish Council. May I start by reiterating the remarks of my colleague, Councillor Hall, in respect of item 4 on this agenda. The transport proposals in respect of the indicative North Uttlesford Garden Village lack credibility and evidence. It's sadly as simple as that. Turning to the substantive item, members will recall that as part of the Chesterford's Neighbourhood Plan pr process, we submitted and had included in the evidence base for this district-wide local plan both a landscape character assessment and historic environment assessment. These documents were presented to the 23rd of August 2016 meeting of this committee. The landscape character assessment goes into great detail about the location and character of our settlements and the valley of the River Cam, specifically in its analysis of the parish features. It identifies areas of major and substantial landscape sensitivity where the landscape capacity for development is negligible or low in its ability to accommodate development. Sadly, the North Uttlesford Garden Village, as proposed, was to be built in just these areas of sensitivity. These concerns are supported by evidence from your own officers in the document in front of you. Mr Smeedham states inter alia, 
Overall, this character area has relatively high sensitivity to change. The development will be predominantly on the highland areas of the site and will be a departure from major settlement patterns which have developed in the district. He goes on to comment about the uh, insubstantial effect of proposed visual screening and he concludes, I am of the view that this site cannot accommodate the development shown in the illustrative master plan without causing significant and unacceptable harm to the important visual qualities of the site on the wider landscape. Now, members of this committee may also recall that Bidwells, acting as agents for the consortium of landowners, objected unsuccessfully to the inclusion in the local plan evidence base of our landscape character assessment. We now understand why the objectives as the proposals brought forward are deeply flawed, as UDC officers agree. Furthermore, we note that Bidwells accept this point. A statement at paragraph 5.3.2 of the May 2016 desk-based assessment commissioned by them on the North Uttlesford Garden Village makes clear. It states, the site is located in an undulating open landscape on the periphery of a historic village. The surrounding area is dominated by agricultural farmland which contains dispersed farms. The topography of the site means there is little to provide a visual barrier meaning the development will be visible from the A11 and from Great Chesterfield itself, resulting in a large in impact on the historic landscape. We further note that a material fact that has not been considered is the damage to landscape character beyond the immediate boundary of Uttlesford District. And trust that in the operations with South Cambridgeshire District Council will show that proper and detailed consideration has been given inter alia to transport, landscape and historic environment issues. Thank you. Thank you very much. Mr Evans. Good evening. Thank you, Mr Chairman. My name is John Evans. I'm speaking on behalf of Stebbing Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group, uh, appointed under the aegis of the Parish Council. I wish to address in the short time available this evening some of the references to the Parish of Stebbing contained in the Local Landscape and Heritage Impact Assessments contained at Agenda Items 6 and 7. Officers and members will of course be fully aware of this, but I take this public opportunity of restating the position, namely that they each have a statutory duty to prepare, justify and submit a local plan for examination which is based only on the most up-to-date and importantly robust and sound evidence base. However, the Stebbing Neighbourhood Plan Steering Group wish it to be noted and recorded that none of the reports included in the PAC to be considered tonight refer to the latest available evidence, namely the West of Braintree concept framework prepared by ECOM dated May 2017, commissioned by the North Essex authorities relating to the North Essex garden communities, which runs actually to 70 pages. And the sustainability appraisal commissioned by Braintree District Council, Colchester and Tendring District Councils from ECC Place Services. This is perhaps understandable given the very recent inclusion of these documents in the agenda and pack submitted to the Braintree District Council which were discussed last night. They came into the public domain only then but we anticipate that they will have been supplied to UDC officers sometime prior to that including in draft form. Tonight's papers might thus be regarded as incomplete and out of date as to the observations relating to landscape, visual impact and heritage considerations so far as they extend to any new settlement proposals re relating to areas of land described as west of Braintree. 
This generic description is, in our view, unhelpful and misleading, given that part of the land lies within the areas of UDC and Stebbing PC administrative areas. We consider that the area with UDC and Stebbing should better be described as the land at Stebbing Green, Boxed Wood and Andrews Field. This designation should perhaps serve to remind us all that the potential development there impacts upon UDC and especially the residents of the Stebbing Parish and is not merely something affecting BDC, its parishes and residents. Any attempt to link up arms with BDC should be resisted, except for the clearest and entirely demonstrable evidence-based considerations which we consider are in fact presently absent. These matters are a UDC-wide consideration to be taken in the round across the, across the district and the opportunity for cooperation with BDC should not be taken as a soft and easy option by UDC, providing what might seem a quick housing fix in the southernmost flung corner of the district. As to ACOM, the ACOM concept framework has been formulated through an iterative process. Three options were prepared by them within the context of the integrated structure reviewed, with each option resulting in a different spatial configuration, having different implications for setting, land take, green infrastructure, movement and utilities. The three options were arrived at after stakeholder consultations and detailed analysis. Three preferred set of options have been put forward to inform the Braintree local plan pre-submission consultation document. Landscape and heritage issues have been key drivers in the design process coupled by the need to protect and enhance Botsted Wood and create green space buffers along the western boundary adjacent to Stebbing Green, those being areas within the UDC and Stebbing administrative areas. You have had three and a half minutes. Uh, I would like to um, emphasize the importance of the, uh, of the environment uh, and the references to be contained in the pack uh, uh, regarding the landscape partnership and we will actually as the steering group be writing further to uh, the officers uh, emphasizing the distinctions to be made there and also as the historic uh, assessment which is shortly to be undertaken. Okay, thank you very much. Uh, Mr. Fox will uh, answer a number of these points uh, in a minute, but uh, just to reassure you that we absolutely recognise that um, we are responsible for the areas in Uttlesford, um, and whatever happens in the future uh, is, is not uh, pertinent at the moment. So we, we need to consider Uttlesford in its own right. But obviously um, Braintree are ahead of us because they are about to go out to their Regulation 19 consultation um, and are taking to their council in the beginning of June uh, the site that's on their side. So um, we recognise that, but as you rightly say, we need to consider uh, our bit in our own right. So I can assure you that, but um, Mr Fox will answer more fully in a minute. Okay, thank you. Uh, Mr Gadd, Heritage Assets Impact <coughs> Assessment. Thank you. Um, I'd like to raise a number of points on the high-level assessments produced to the meeting, but more generally on UDC's general lack of any other heritage impact studies, despite the clear advice from bodies such as Historic England. This meeting has heritage impacts on just three of the potential six new settlement sites. All three have been recently commissioned, as, as can be seen, they're very broad brush. Each recommends a proper assessment should be undertaken. To quote, it is strongly recommended that a full heritage impact assessment be commissioned with regards to the proposed development if this site is to be recommended. Same language, Rule 3. The high-level assessments of the other three potential new settlements haven't even been received yet and aren't due to be seen by this group until the 22nd June meeting. 
Yet, according to the timetable tabled for the plan, the draft plan will actually be issued on 29th June. I didn't see how it can possibly be. Even more significantly, given the requirements of the MPPF, no other heritage impact assessments have ever been conducted by UDC in relation to the effects of any other potential development. The adverse effects on listed buildings and the historic environment of increased traffic, for example, are well recognised, but the effect of the increased traffic from potential new developments in Saffron Warden has been completely ignored in the plan process, as it was in 2014. I shouldn't need to remind you the whole of central Saffron Warden is a conservation area, and the centre contains a greater concentration of listed buildings than almost anywhere in the country. Virtually all traffic from any new developments in Saffron Warden must pass through the medieval street pattern and will undoubtedly have a deleterious impact on the historic environment. According to the high-level assessments produced, Andersfield, Andrewsfield sorry, potentially impacts 14 listed buildings, Great Chesterford 5 and Eastern Park 19. Very properly, the impact on these is being assessed. However, by comparison, According to UDC's own Saffron Warden Conservation Area proposal, Saffron Warden has 320 listed buildings in the central conservation area. It's a medieval town of exceptional interest, and according to Essex County Council, the town has the finest surviving collection of timber-framed buildings in Essex. Development of Saffron Warden potentially impacts four Grade 1 and 316 Grade 2 listed buildings. Despite this, UDC hasn't performed even a high-level assessment of the effect that development potentially would have on the historic environment of Saffron Warden. The MPPF specifically requires that the local plan should conserve and indeed enhance the historic environment and should also contain a specific strategy for doing so, yet there's nothing of the sort in the evidence base that the UDC are producing. I'd therefore like to ask three questions. When are the full heritage impact assessments that are strongly recommended for the new three new settlement sites to be commissioned? When are they to be received and what is the impact of this on the local plan timetable? When UDC are proposing to commission a high heritage impact assessment on Saffron Warden to enable it to consider the impact of potential further development on the historic town centre, and where are we going to see the UDC strategy for enhancing and conserving the historic environment across Uttlesford as required by the MPPF? Thank you. Right, thank you, Mr. Fox. Yes, th thank you, Chairman. Uh, firstly, just to in introduce this I these items, they are Sorry, they are um, three um, topic papers relating to ecology, um, historic assets, and landscape. It's clearly set out. They are. Um, they were all undertaken by um, council officers. So these reports essentially represent their views. Clearly, as the covering report makes clear, these issues are but one of many that we have to take into account when considering new settlement proposals. Um, I will try and answer some of the points raised. Uh, forgive me if I didn't jot all of them down. But I think firstly going, taking them in the order that they were raised uh, from, uh, first of all, uh, Mr Gregory. Yes, we, we did take on board the um, neighbourhood plan um, heritage and landscape assessment as part of our evidence base, but I would uh, draw the distinction between the fact that they were commissioned to inform the neighbourhood plan process and this internal work here is looking at the potential impacts of a new settlement um, on landscape and heritage assets. Um, the um, point, sorry I'm, I'm jumping around a little bit here, uh, the point about uh, ACOM that Mr Evan, Evans raised is absolutely right, uh, Braintree decommissioned this work. Um, 
we um, actually didn't have, we weren't party to it and didn't have sight of it until fairly recently, although we have commissioned some joint work with them now, um, looking at the uh, potential um, sort of joined up West Braintree uh, garden settlement. Um, the um, issue about uh, that uh, Mr Gad raised about um, the, these are, he's absolutely right, high level heritage assessments and um, at the time assuming that uh, the, once the Regulation 18 consultation starts, Chairman, and we have in principle decided which new settlements we would like to see in the plan, um, that would be the time for those more detailed assessments to be made. Um, going back to another point about how independent um, these studies were or are, we have commissioned an independent landscape assessment which will look at what, our own, what, what your own officers have said, Chairman, uh, obviously clearly independent of um, uh, the promoters and ourselves. Um, the issue about Saffron Walden that Mr Gadd raised, that clearly if there are any significant potential allocations at Saffron Walden which impact <coughs> on the historic character, excuse me, um, they, will, they will be looked at. Um, again at the time that we go out to Regulation 18 consultation. And that's a general point I would make, Chairman, about the plan. This is not the submission version of the plan, the publication version of the plan. It is an opportunity for us to, to look at all these issues in greater depth before we do actually finally come up with our final version, Chairman. And that's one of the advantages of this stage. Sorry, forgive me, my voice is going. Um, I think uh, that's I've probably missed some points there, but... Uh, Mr. Gadd's historic environment uh, study for, for Rottlesford. Yes, I mean, that, that, will, that will... We'll obviously be engaging with Historic England um, and have been, and will be through the Regulation 18 process. So they are the experts, so we'll be looking at them to give us advice about those things, Chairman. Thank you, Mr. Fox. I'll just re-emphasise the point you made. Uh, we're undertaking a, a um, Regulation 18 consultation, uh, which um, is, is not the same thing as the Regulation 19 uh, statutory consultation that is done before submission to the inspector. So it's, a, it's part of the process along the way. It's a recommendation and obviously subject to the response to the recommendation and further uh, material evidence will uh, determine what goes into our Regulation 19 consultation and proposal. So um, you're quite right to, to point that out, um, and we are behind Braintree in that respect. Other comments? Councillor Lodge. Thank you. So for clarity on the heritage impact assessment, we are not going, we're not taking the heritage impact as a factor for choice, our preferred choice, the new settlement. It's the logic of what Mr Fox said. Well, there are material points in these papers, but they're high level. Um, and uh, what was pointed out was that a number of them, if, if they were to be uh, the, the part of the recommendation, it would require a full assessment. Um, and that's what he's just said. So, um, yes, they, they, they would be. Uh, the difficulty, the interpretation of what we say now is that we're going to choose settlements 
without necessarily doing the heritage impact assessment. We're going to recommend, We're going to recommend yeah, which is slightly different from what goes into the Regulation 19 proposal. There's a difference between a recommendation and a proposal. Yeah, okay. Troy, make a point on that. We will be looking at heritage in, in terms of the sustainability appraisal. So that, that is that is one of the points that is picked up uh, when we do the sustainability appraisal is heritage along with and environment. And that's sustainability on all six? Yeah. On, it will be a sustainability appraisal which looks at all the reasonable alternatives. Yeah. We'll set okay. out the reasons for, um, for, for making the conclusions that it does. It will be a sustainability appraisal for the for the whole local plan. So it's not just for the for the potential new garden settlements. It would be for the whole whole local plan and its policies. Yeah, okay. I'm I'm reassured by that. And obviously that includes stuff and water. That's fine. Sure, absolutely. Uh, and indeed the transport and indeed the air quality. Um, Councillor Dean. These, uh, these documents made um, interesting reading and obviously there's a lot of information there about the um, merits and relative merits of uh, many features ac across the various sites that have been looked at. One of the things that um, came out of it which I think is worthy of thinking about is that one, clearly there are landscape features which one would like to be able to maintain either by not developing a site at all or or by ensuring that uh, the way it's developed uh, does not uh, lose those features but um, one of the I think the, one of the messages that comes out to me is that uh, from what I've read is that you know houses are to be lived in but not to be seen um, and, um, and I'm not sure that that makes sense and I think it's something that we should perhaps think about over the next couple of months because um, there is a sort of suggestion in various places that if we are going to build we better hide it away so that nobody knows they're there um, I don't mind people looking at my house uh, as they play on the recreation ground and uh, like it or not as, uh, as they choose um, and, I, and I'm not sure that what I read here is, is entirely consistent. I, I pick on the um, North Uttlesford one because I think it comes first in, in one set of papers um, and, and it says that if this site is developed then uh, only parts of it ought to be developed but in particular it says that what is done there um, should uh, where are we? Create a cohesive garden village of quality um, and buildings would need to be exceptional and sensitive to the site and surrounding landscape. Now, to me, that should apply everywhere. Sure. You know, we shouldn't be saying we only need to do a decent job in one place and, and anything will matter anywhere else. So I think that officers need to uh, look at the way this information is presented from now on and not try to... Um, have one class of settlement and another class of settlement. Um, so I think I'll leave my points at that. Okay. Um, absolutely. And we haven't mentioned tonight uh, garden developments and clearly um, any major new development, we would want it done on that basis. 
um, and that would include a major say in the design, uh, the layout, the width of the roads, um, and indeed uh, in terms of what order things come uh, uh, as far as infrastructure. You make a very interesting point, uh, and, and I think this, um, the discussion that's happening now is, is very typical to what has happened uh, fairly universally. And I've quoted before, and I'll quote it again tonight, North Stone, north of Cambridge, the old Oakington airfield, where the, the village of Oakington, very similar to some of the villages in Uttlesford, um, did not want that. Um, and uh, after about 10, 15 years discussion, North Stowe is now underway, uh, quite mature actually. Um, and again, it was, I don't want to see it, um, smell it, uh, touch it, feel it, anything else. So there was a lot of mitigation put in. Now the discussion is, uh, why are you making me go out onto the A1 to come into North Stowe? Because I want to go to the school there, I want to use the facilities there, and so on and so forth. So I think you're right. There is, there, there, there's a natural human evolution here. Um, and, and we're at the point where these are new, uh, they're not wanted uh, by the local communities, and we, under, we, have, we understand why. Um, I, I think um, the sites are all different. Um, the Chestford site is on the side of a hill. I think that's the particular sensitivity there. So um, that's, it was, point was brought out in the, in the report. And there again, the same point I made earlier uh, in response to Mr. Audrey and Mrs. Barron, um, you know, I think it is, it is for Chesterford working with uh, officers here because the landscape undulates. It's not all on the side of a hill. So it goes up, it undulates, and so on and so forth. So presumably, sympathetically uh, that would be taken into account. So it's all of these kind of things that we need to put into the mix to keep the dialogue going so that people uh, feel that they're being listened to um, and uh, their points taken into account. But as I repeat, these houses will go somewhere. Councillor Barker. I hope people won't feel they're being listened to, Chairman. I hope people will be listened to. They will um, be. But, it, it's, it's, but it's, what, what I think is the problem with some of this documentation is that we do not have exactly the same information for exactly all the sites. And somewhere we need to have a summary so it's in a table. We might not agree with the scoring or the outcomes, but at least we're saying, you know, comparatively out of 10, which one has the worst impact on the environment, which has the worst impact on junkmate, which has the worst impact on something else, or which has the least impact. I don't mind which way around it is, but reading a document about Great Chesterford, followed by one about West of Braintree, followed by one about Chelmer Mead, and having to think, oh, if I go back to that one, what did that say about this aspect? And what did this say about this aspect? And I think as we draw this together, then we've got to have, you know, it's, it's like my father used to say when he stood before an exam, you start off with a whole book and you reduce it to a small book and then you reduce it to a series of postcards. At the end of the day, it's all on one postcard. And we, we've got to get that down, but we've got to somehow have, have these set against each other, not as separate documents, but as how... You know, each bit, because as we draw to conclusions and officers make their recommendations, um, we need to be assured that you know, there are good sound reasons for doing that. Yeah, you make a good point. I imagine that uh, the sustainability study will, that, will, will do that. That's just the point we're going to make, Chairman. And yeah. sorry, if we could just add something else as well in, in relation to Great Chesterford, and I, I should have mentioned it in answering the questions. Uh, we have raised the, the specific landscape issues of, of, of the ridge and the hollows with them because at the moment we, we, we feel that their current, um, current scheme doesn't fully address those. So they've, they've gone away and they are looking at that issue, Chairman. Okay, thank you. Okay, I think uh, we've dealt with five, six, and seven. Thank you. Um, and it's for information. So we, we note we move on to item eight, which is Uppersford Employment Land 
Topic KFMA 2017, Mr Holmes. Thank you, Chairman. As you're all aware, um, the first topic paper I reported on um, back in January um, at this PPWG, um, at the time um, I updated the, the working group on the fact that we were uh, updating our current um, employment land review um, dated August 2016. Um, if you look at chapter three of the um, updated topic paper, um, there's a list of the points um, that we'd raised as concerns um, and put back the return to ACOM. Um, if you can see on the paragraph 3.3, um, I make reference to um, ACOM reporting their findings to Council by um, just Friday just gone. Um, I can confirm that ACOM have um, finally got back to us um, yesterday morning. Um, we are in the process of um, just reviewing the document and what the figures they've sent through to us. So um, I'll certainly be in, um, I'm still reviewing those at the moment, just making sure it, you know, it tallies up at the moment. So um, that, that's some good news on that. Um, and back in, um, in January as well, um, as part of the update, we were going to look um, for ACOM to update, also provide sorry, an addendum in the um, update report looking at the um, basing their findings as well on the um, 2016 East of England forecasting model as the um, current ACOM report was based on the 2014. However, um, there were some developments on that. Um, the other partner authorities in the district, the FEMA authorities, um, is under a where is it, paragraph, um, where is it? the other FEMA authorities in the um, district also have um, some similar issues in their um, employment figures are based on the 2014 findings. So it was decided to, um, again, um, ask um, Hardesty Jones, who produced the 2015 Schmar, to have a look at the, um, these findings. Um, give me a sec. Um, paragraph 3.6 onwards um, discusses what, you know, what we've asked them to look at in terms of um, in terms of work, um, having an actual thorough look at the um, 2016 East of England forecast and model projections, as there are some differences between the um, anomalies between 2014 and 2016 that we wanted to have them more closely examine, um, as well as the projections. Um, so that's still ongoing work at the moment. Um, I, I spoke with um, Harley Jones on Monday um, regarding the um, the um, figures as they are at the moment and we have another um, FEMA workshop happening tomorrow afternoon which will um, report the more finalised figures from the um, workshop as well. The, fi the figures I quote under um, uh, power 3.10 um, I have spoke with, um, like I said, I spoke with Stuart on Monday and you know he is as I've, as I've alluded to, those figures will obviously be um, likely to come down, but also you couldn't allude to them yet. Again, there's still got to be discussion with the um, partner authorities as well, um, as in the, reaching an agreement what, what we're happy with. Um, we're still waiting for Hardy Jones as well to feedback on their methodology as well, those figures. Um, I think just going forward, I mean, I'm, I'm, um, obviously on the 22nd, for the 22nd of June, PPWG will obviously have made a decision on, um, we'll have obviously the final figures coming through from the um, ACOM work and also the Hardesty Jones work as well, although again, it's unclear whether there'll be a final agreement on that yet. We're still, that's something that obviously again will be discussed tomorrow, but um, it is good news that at least we have got the ACOM figures coming through at this time, so we do have an updated evidence base at this time for the Regulation 18. Um, so yeah, that's where we are at the moment. Good, well I'll open it up to colleagues, but I think uh, what this committee said in the past is that we must have sufficient employment land 
Um, and I encourage that you have significantly increased from uh, where we were, that that employment land has got uh, appropriate access in the same way that we've been discussing um, residential uh, uh, development. Um, and, um, and then obviously in, in, in terms of uh, the siting. But I think uh, the, the, the quantity and uh, the accessibility are two key things that we'll, uh, we and the inspector will want to see so that this uh, community can continue to develop and there are local places for people to work and not all of them are going to be big sites and we recognise um, that the smaller sites as well. Uh, we recognise that uh, broadband is a key part of that there's a number of other factors. Uh, Councillor Dean, then Councillor Mills. Yeah, I'd like to ask about referring to paragraph 4.2 where it says the likelihood is that the figures will be considerably higher. Um, if the number of jobs is going to be considerably higher, then doesn't that mean that the number of houses for the people who are going to take those jobs has to go up? And how are the two tied together? We've recently been uh, reassessing or reconsidering the, um, the housing numbers. Um, if, if, if the jobs are racing ahead, are we into another iteration on that? Um, the Hardesty Jones works actually found that the jobs growth is actually roughly the same from the 2014 forecasting model um, for 2016, the analysis they've done. Um, it only goes up by a couple of hundred, um, couple of hundred jobs over the 22-year period. The, um, you can see the, um, the actually, under power um, three points and we've got the standard jobs growth scenario. That was what was based on the um, 2015 SMART. And you can see the uplift scenario, which is what they're using, is the uh, 14,900. So they are very similar in terms of the, it's, it's, on, the, it's on the higher cusp, of, if, you're, if you know what I mean. But Stuart's uh, 26th of April meetings, meeting Stuart alluded to, that wouldn't affect the actual housing numbers themselves. So. Does that reassure you? Well, I'm, I'm not sure. So what is it that's going to be considerably higher, as in, referred to in paragraph 4.2? It's the actual um, land, requir land requirement, employment land requirement. So the 46 hectares, as you can see, is somewhat higher than what is coming out of the um, ACOM work on the paragraph 2.2. It's the actual land requirement for employment, which is going to be higher. So it's not that the actual number of jobs is going to increase. It's just that it needs more. They need more space. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's what we're getting so far from Arlington Jones. Yes. For what we've got. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for what we've got so far. Okay. Thank you. Councillor Mills. <clears throat> um, my point also comes back to numbers, but what I was going to ask was actually relating to housing numbers. I'm aware that we're sort of rushing towards decisions on sites, but I'm also aware that we haven't really had an update on the actual numbers that we're aiming at. Um, I'm a little bit concerned that, uh, you know, we're into a period 2011 to 2033, a 22-year period. How many have we actually built? How many have we delivered? how many have we still got left, how many commissions have we got, which is going to give us a figure that we've actually got to build. Without actually knowing that figure in detail, we don't know how many settlements we need. So one of the things I would ask officers to bring forward, I know it's not for tonight, but I'm conscious that this is a moving feast that is now coming to its May 17 calculation for the annual total again. Can we not be thinking about having something that we actually know exactly where we are so we know what's left? Can, can I, through yeah, you, Chairman, can I answer? Yes, yeah, we're, abs we're actually working on that at the moment. Um, it, it, if one thinks about it logistically, you're absolutely right. The process that we go through is 
we look at the planning permissions that have been granted and have not been implemented, then we look at uh, the potential allocations and then one, one looks at a windfall allowance, one does the maths and what ends up, it's not, it's, it's not rocket science, what um, ends, ends up with a figure potentially for the new settlement and then, it's, then, then really some of the hard decisions need to be made about how many, where and when. And that's pre precisely the logistical process we've gone through and that's exactly what Strangely has been working um, on, on a presentation to members, actually setting all that out for you so you'll fully understand exactly the, the, the points you've just made, Councillor. This, this group has, has, has talked a number of times about numbers and without detailing the exact number tonight, uh, we, we understand what we were advised by a previous inspector visit. We've got another PINS visit coming up, so we'll, con we'll keep talking to the relevant authorities to make sure that when we go in with our plan that we have the right number. We're not going to fall foul of the inspector on numbers. Councillor Barker. Sorry, you want to come Just back? Just to come back, yeah, I'm not concerned that we're not going to get it right, but what I am concerned is that we know the number that we're actually aiming at. Sure, of course. Because it's going to yeah. inform what we decide to do. Of course, do. absolutely yeah? and right. That's, yeah. I'm just hoping that that also is within the next week or two, yeah. so that it comes at yeah. the same time as everything else. Yeah, yeah, yeah. absolutely. Um, yes, I, I'm not quite sure I understand how we've got from Hardesty Jones to something else. But in these figures, we are quoting the East of England forecasting model. Now, I don't understand how we could be using the East of England forecasting model for employment growth when ORS totally rejected it as a basis for forecasting housing growth. How can one put those two together? ORS, you know, did not use that in any way, shape or form and have been asked by Councillor Mills before now why didn't we use the East of England forecasting model. So how can we use it in any way, shape or form in our employment growth if we didn't use it in our housing growth or population growth? Um, probably Mr Holmes and uh, myself will pick the answer that between us. Um, the, the ORS housing growth figure is simply because, as I think we've uh, pointed out to this group earlier that CLG advice is that we have to use the, uh, the Office National Statistics population projections and that's the accepted way of doing it. So there are, you're absolutely right Councillor Barker, there, are, there is uh, population forecasts um, done by the uh, East of England forecasting model but the simple truth is that we're advised not to use them. So um, that's, that's the answer to that. Yes, um, obviously, Hodges <coughs> Jones, yeah, you looked at those figures. Obviously, we, they did pick up those, obviously, some anomalies in those figures, which they've, they've built their own like scenario in as, as a result. The um, like the what's called the Stansted uplift scenario. Um, there's been examples when we were looking at the um, the 30th March um, workshop when we were looking at the um, East Wind forecast model. We went through each of the um, sort of employment sectors, and you know, for example, it was like it was the coffee, you know, the, uh, food. Um, food job figures just kept going up and up as if we were going to be drinking 12 cups of coffee a day and by, the, by 2033 and obviously things like that they've identified anomaly and they've just all built their own scenario which has been tested in um, Troy, you mentioned that the Hertfordshire um, examples before as well, that the um, Hertfordshire methodology, Hardest Jones have you used, um, sorry, <laughs> well Hardest Jones um, They've, they've reassured us that the methodology they, they've used has been tested elsewhere nationally in Hertfordshire, um, other districts as well in the past 10 years, and they actually worked with the um, council in that area to build up their own their own um, scenarios. 
Um, <clears throat> just alluding back to the previous points on um, taking taking into account um, the 2011 to 2016 um, figures. Obviously, that's one of the things that we. Um, when we spoke with ACOM, that's one of the things we asked them to um, actually more clearly demonstrate in the report. And it's also something that, again, it's under the um, uh, paragraph 3.11, um, second bullet point that Odyssey Jones will also um, be showing as well in their, their findings that, that how they've taken the 2011-2016 period into consideration. It's some, I've, I've supplied them as well with our um, monitoring data, so it's something that has been taken, will be taken into consideration when the um, actual forecast figures are um, including the plan. Good. Thank you very much indeed. Um, that also was uh, for information. So, thank you, Mr. Holmes. Item nine: statement of community involvement. I think that's Mr. Glenn, do you think? Mr. Ox. Right. Yes. Thank, thank you, Chairman. Yes. Uh, hopefully, this is a, a fairly straightforward report. We um, last reviewed the statement of community involvement in the beginning of last year. Uh, since then, we've uh, carried out a review and refresh, taking into account uh, changes to legislation and the need for a more efficient and focused engagement with, with stakeholders. We're intending to go out to consultation for a period of six weeks on this document, and we're just seeking uh, any views of PPWG members be before we undertake that consultation exercise, Chairman. Thank you. So. All I ask is that Mr. you rem Mr. Dean, then Mr. Davis. Councillor Dean, then Councillor Davis. Sorry. All, all I ask is that you remove 1A from the word Stansted outfit. There's only one. Councillor Davis. Yeah, just, just a question around what we consider success from a, um, an engagement piece of work. And obviously, we have a lot of people who are here tonight who are representative of a very small proportion of the entire district. Um, I know that we, we have access to uh, people have access to feedback through email or, or on the on the website. But are we working to like a number to say this is this is? Um, I can't remember what the numbers were for previous, but are we are we kind of aiming for a target in order to make sure that people feel um, sort of informed, aware, and, and, and involved in the in the process? Um. Through you, Chairman, that we haven't got a specific target in mind, but I think bearing in mind previous consultations with issues and options where we had something like 3,000 responses, you know, we, we, we'd like to think that we are reaching our audience. Um, but and we, we obviously have a, data, have a database of people who do regularly communicate with us, and we, we constantly update that. So, yeah, I mean, we, we, it would be interesting to see, um, certainly in the Regulation 18 consultation, what level of response we actually receive. So typically we're getting between three and four thousand. Our last uh, uh, consultations have been around that number. If I can just come back, because I know this is something that came up, I mean, scrutiny, isn't it, where we've talked about engagement on, on other matters, and we have this kind of core group of people who we, we look to refresh. And of course the onus is on all of us as well. And, and, um, but it would be great to, for us to walk away from something and say we feel really good having managed to 
kind of have that engagement and also plug it into the work that the, the, the other areas of the council are doing around community engagement as well. So I think it's just that would be good for for that to be communicated to all councillors outside of our group as, as a responsibility that we would take back to town and parish councils, etc. Very much so. Yeah. I'd hope yeah. that all councillors will be taking these uh, the, 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 the consultation when it starts on the 12th of July to their um, to their parish councils. So there's a full debate there. Um, the one thing that isn't in these uh, pages, which is the point that I was referring to earlier, so. Um, the, the if scenario in terms of the engagement of local communities uh, before the announcement and then obviously, well, it, 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 it's a sort of if even after that because it's only a recommendation. Um, so that is not necessarily empirically built into, these, um, into your reports and I, I'd quite like that. I, I, I would like us uh, to always be consulting and, and, and engaging with the local community. Now, some of them may not want to on the basis that they don't want the, they want the development in the first place, but that's their prerogative. But, uh, uh, and the same thing applies also uh, under item six, planning applications. Uh, I'm very keen that um, clearly uh, local communities are, and parish councils are key consultation, consultees to um, uh, planning applications and um, some, well, they're, they're the comments are always taken into account, whether they're always uh, material planning matters um, is, is a different point. But again, uh, the if scenario here, so if something went ahead, a much smaller development I'm talking about now, uh, what, is, what, is, what is key to, to your community? So what would be the red line that actually makes it, it, it bad? And if it was to go ahead, what, what, what does your community want from that? Uh, and, and you may be happy with it, and there still might be community benefit, whether it's a SIL or a, a 106. So I'd, I'd quite like to build that in, because I'm very keen that we drive that agenda, that we're, we're getting so much closer to um, local councils in terms of, uh, uh, in terms of that, recognising at the end of the day it is a planning decision, um, but, um, yeah, the engagement, uh, we want to be as uh, strong as possible. Yeah? Yeah, yeah Chairman, we've, we've noted that. Thanks. Okay. Um, if there are no other points, then we'll move on to item 10, which is the duty to cooperate. Yes, thank you, thank you, Chairman. Uh, this is the, the regular update on the, the uh, meetings and other engagement we've had with our duty to cooperate uh, partners. I think over the last few weeks, um, we have been dealing predominantly with Braintree over their emerging local plan, which, which was published yesterday evening uh, and also the potential and I stress potential for us west of Braintree uh, garden community. Uh, there's also reference in the report to um, the uh, meetings we've had with Cambridge County and South Cambridge over highways issues and the regular co-op board uh, meetings which Councillor Barker attends and I'll try and pick up any points that anyone raises Chairman. Thank you. So any comments on the duty to cooperate? Well, I'd, I'd just like to ask Mr Fox if in the discussions with Braintree whether they whether they're from your perspective fully aware of the or what they would do were we not to proceed with our part of their uh, garden settlement or whatever they call it in, in terms of whatever it might be um, access for instance Yes, through you, Chairman. Yes, the um, the ACOM work, which was commissioned, it was commissioned initially by Braintree just to essentially look at their side of the administrative boundary. 
clearly we felt that as there was the potential, and again stressed the word potential, uh, for developments on the other side of the administrative boundary, it, made, it, was, it was obviously common sense for ACOM to look at it in the totality, and that included issues such as phasing access, as you quite rightly say, because there's a number of potential access points into this site, some in some on the Braintree side of the border, some on the Uttlesford side. So, so this piece of work, which I stress is, is, is not complete yet, um, has been commissioned to look at the, the totality uh, of uh, a, a potential garden community west of Braintree, although, as you quite rightly say, Braintree District Council have looked at it in isolation as well, if I'm making sense. Good. If, sorry, Councillor Lees. Um, one of the, uh, in the duty to cooperate, uh, one of the meetings without minutes was the one with Cambridgeshire Highways. Will we get any minutes of that or understanding of what happened, what was said? There, there was a, I, re I recall a note being taken. I think it might be with the other authorities to, to sign off and agree, basically. But I know there was, there was, there was a note taken off that meeting, yes. So oh, we okay. can, and then they will send it to you. We'll circulate that with the minutes. Yeah. Okay. yeah, can you action that, that we will do that? Lovely, thank you. Councillor Mills, just, Councillor Dean. Just to note the same thing, we've got no minutes of any of these meetings with Braintree. Yeah, I, th I think it's, it's the same answer through you, Chairman, and, and, and Gordon Glenday, who, atten who attended the more recent ones, is nodding. So. so, same thing, same action. Councillor yeah, Dean. Thank you. The, um, I'm referring to the minutes of the Sustainable Development Officers Group, and I think it equally applies to the uh, member board as well, both in March. This, this is the one that includes a lot of Essex well, and, and Hertfordshire authorities. Um, a minor point, but on, I don't know what it is, page, is it page 154, it says that we are having our regulation consultation in June, whereas we're not, it's in July and August. Uh, so that's obviously a, an, an error in the minutes. But sorry, sorry, can I interrupt you? Sorry, wait, can you take me to where, where you are in the... I'm, well, I'm on the... Yeah, sorry, I haven't got a page. Officer group meeting on the 16th of March, second page. Uh, two paragraphs up, Uttlesford DC. It says that the council will be consulting regulation 18 in June. Sorry, yes, yes, I, I've got it now. Yes, well, um, I mean, coincidentally, I've, I've got a meeting with the Schmar authorities tomorrow morning, so I'm picking that up then. Right, okay. The, my main question relates to the several references that I see to Princess Alexandra Hospital, and, and I confess to being thoroughly confused. I, I'm aware that there have been various proposals put forward, ranging from repainting the existing one to starting afresh on a new site. Uh, I thought that the government had said you better get the paint can out and you know, tart up what you've got rather than be too adventurous. And yet this seems to be talking about new sites, uh, sites which might be shared with other services. So I'm, I'm thoroughly confused as to what might or might not be going on. So, so let me take this one. Right. Um, with all due respect to the very fine people that work in Princess Alexandra Hospital, um, it has an A&E department that isn't uh, working properly, it has a decaying infrastructure, it has a bad CQC report, and it's financially bust. Uh, so it has a lot of structure, it has problems. 
Um, and on top of that, there are major developments taking place north of Bishop's Dortford and obviously at Gilston. So um, PwC were commissioned. The, the NHS is brilliant at asking expensive consultants to do a study. So they, they, they did one study, which was the paint job that you're talking around at about 60 millions, the potential to build a new hospital on the same site or a brand new hospital maybe near Junction 7A. Um, and uh, they're now being asked to do a feasibility study on a new hospital. Um, but uh, that's where it is. But having uh, been a non-executive director at Patrick with uh, my colleague Councillor Lodge, um, it took us the whole of the 10 years that we were non-executive directors and, and more. So these things don't happen quickly. So um, you may hear something in uh, either the manifesto or the next budget if there's to be some infrastructure spending. That it, it, is, it is a possibility that, but otherwise a new hospital, I would suggest to you, is a long burn, but PwC are doing a feasibility study. Of course, you are a non-exec yourself there, weren't you? Yep. So does that answer the question? Well, yeah. I, I mean, the only other supplementary to that was that there's, there's talk here about transport, transportation, which I take to be public transportation. So I'm assuming they're looking at the what-ifs, if there is a new site, and will it be connected to bus routes, yeah, and et cetera, and et cetera. That part of the study. That, that's yes, part of it, is it? Yeah, yeah. okay. A, a lot of the presentations at um, duty corporate meetings are around Harlow, and they're around strategic corridors in Harlow, and how we move the traffic along public transport corridors, and, you know, ordinary transport corridors, you know, and discussions around the possibility of a second stalk crossing, because there are bottlenecks in Harlow, um, so it, Harlow is seen because of the way it, it's growing and it being the sort of, um, there is an awful lot of discussion around and um, as is going to go, as I say, have, are progressing with this on the basis of if one were to build a new hospital at said site or said site, what would that then do to the traffic flows, not to, pardon me, across Harlow but across West Essex and East Hart, so that's, that's what they're looking to model. Councillor Just to quickly, it may not have anything to do with this, but if they do build a new hospital, will local residents have the reassurance that the hospital will stay open, the old hospital, until the new one is built? Oh, absolutely. They will? Oh, absolutely. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it, uh, yeah, it, it wouldn't function otherwise. There isn't the capacity in the system to... Yeah. Um, I say that without... <laughs> No, the answer, but I mean, no, I mean, you know, that, that is the way that it would always work. Okay, moving on to item 11, we have a speaker, Mr Gadd, on that, so I think uh, we'll take your uh, words first. <coughs> Evidence base. Before I start, I've also been asked by Mrs Cheetham if she could raise one point, I think, either before or after, either before or after me. So uh, we had a session uh, with Land Securities, um, uh, Little Eastern Parish Council, Takeley Parish Council, Great 
Dunmo Town Council and Broxted um, Parish Council. Uh, then we had one with um, up for the um, Boxed Wood Andrews Field uh, uh, site uh, with um, uh, Stebbing uh, Parish Council, with Great Sailing Parish Council and with uh, Sailing Green um, Parish Council. So um, we've got another one next week with Great Chesterford, Little Chesterford and uh, Hinkston from Cambridge. So we're actually going beyond our border uh, and we'll, we'll arrange others as appropriate. Okay, thank you. Thank you. Uh, when I spoke last month, I raised the apparent predetermination by this Council of Spatial Strategy before the evidence base had been assembled <coughs> and the continued absence of the required comparative sustainability assessment or the prior consideration of any reasonable alternative spatial strategies. At last month's meeting, um, Councillor Rolf said the information behind the June 2016 preferred strategy would be provided to me in due course. The Assistant Director of Planning said that all background information on the sustainability appraisal would be put to today's meeting, and Councillor Rolf confirmed that the sustainability appraisal would be on the agenda for today's meeting. Now, I have heard, you've, or Councillor Rolf said, that some of this was a mistake. However, at both the 28th February meeting and the April meeting, it was agreed that the terms of reference of the sustainability appraisal and the infrastructure delivery plan would both be circulated. None of this has happened. Immediately after the 6th April PPWG, I asked for a copy of the terms of reference and for the other documents the meeting requested be circulated. Five weeks later, and despite regular chasing, I haven't received a single document. This meeting has previously said that they have nothing to hide and that the local plan process is open and transparent, yet key documents seem to remain permanently hidden. Can I ask why this meeting requests at every meeting that terms of reference are circulated, but that they never are? when they would disclose valuable information on the plan process. It's now just over a month until the Reg 18 document is scheduled to be published, yet still no reasonable alternative spatial strategies have been proposed for discussion or even presented to this group. This despite the MPPF requirement that sustainability is embedded in the process, not just a look back at the end, which is exactly what we're seeing now. At the same time, the evidence base seems to be getting thinner. At the April PPWG, it was agreed that an air quality assessment would be commissioned for Saffron Warden in recognition of the fact that in 2013 assessments showed that Essex's highways plans to route more traffic through the town centre would actually worsen pollution. Yet the evidence-based documents don't refer to it. The transport study for Saffron Warden has now been deleted from the evidence base. The 2013 transport study for Saffron Warden showed horrendous congestion proposed even with mitigation measures if just 800 more new homes were approved. Of these, 600 have already been approved. How can UDC possibly come to a decision on the sustainability of further development of Saffron Warden without commissioning a transport assessment for itself? The chairman said earlier that you could only properly rely on ones you've commissioned yourself, not third party ones. We've heard during this meeting that some sort of local road assessments will be prepared, probably by Essex County Council, but they don't even feature on the evidence-based documents. Can you please clarify what local road assessments are proposed? who they'll be done by, and when they'll be available. At the April PPWG, Councillor Barker said, and I think she's been misquoted, that the 2014 inspector had found that UDC's proposed site allocations were sound. But that statement's not true, as is obvious from his report. He identified major concerns about traffic impact on Saffron Warden, and both he and the Secretary of State identified major traffic issues with the proposed expansion of Elsner. 
but again, no traffic study of Elsinore is proposed. There are many other evidence-based documents which still haven't appeared, as we've heard this evening, and members have rightly expressed concern about the state of the transport study, the infrastructure delivery plan. As I said, nothing on sustainability will even appear until the 22nd of June. Down there, three and a half minutes. Okay. Given the current situation... Two lines, to, two lines off. Given the current situation, I don't see how this council can reasonably issue a Reg 18 document on 29th June, which it can claim to be either evidence-based or the most sustainable compared against reasonable alternatives. Thank you. Um, you've heard about uh, the sustainability uh, proposal. Sorry, could you turn the mic off? Um, you've heard about the sustainability appraisal, but I'll ask Mr. Fox to comment further. Um, and. Um, you're right, the uh, highway study for Zaffan Warden has been delayed, but you're going to get it. Um, and uh, these are uh, all key parts of uh, going out on a Regulation 18, uh, which we will do um, if Council approves um, the recommendation. If it doesn't, of course, that's a different matter. Um, so I take note of your points, Mr Gadd, and I take note that there's a lot happening at the end of the process, but we, we will be dealing with all of that. As far as the sustainability of this meeting, we have sort of covered that. I'm surprised, I'm not going to argue with you if that's what I said, but I, I do know what's coming up on each agenda, so I'm just surprised I made that mistake. But um, it, it was always scheduled for the next meeting. But um, Mr Fox, do you want to add? Yes, um, going, one of the reasons why, um, yes, the, some of the, I think it's, first thing I should point out is some of these studies were commissioned and go back now over two years. We've been working on sustainability appraisal since uh, I think it was July 2015 and we've had sustainability appraisals done at issues and options stage of the potential new settlements, uh, of the reasonable alternatives and now of the potential allocations. So sustainability appraisal has been undertaken throughout the process chairman so it certainly won't be any sort of retrofit. Um, you're quite right to point out about the Saffron Malden transport study that has been referred to earlier on in the meeting, has been undertaken by Essex County Council and will be reported to the next meeting and that will look at the local roads uh, in Saffron Malden. Um, in terms of some of the commissions and excuse me, briefs um, they are, I've been informed by people who uh, have undertaken them that they are commercially sensitive, so they are reluctant to divulge some of them in the public domain because they do, can, they do include, um, well, not just names of people, but also um, uh, day rates and things of that nature. And obviously, if other competitors got hold of that information, that, that is, is not good for them. So, so there's a reluctance around there. I think the key point though, Chairman, is the one that you've made, is that all the evidence is coming to a conclusion now and it will be used to inform the Draft Regulation 18 plan and you will have all that information before you. Good. Any other comments? Councillor Lees. On the evidence base. Now, it is just because it's historically but the Essex County Council jumped in eight modelling and said um, the report states there's not required for the preferred option. Now, any form of preferred option makes my tummy go funny. So, wh why does it say about a preferred option for Junction 8? 
Sorry, what, what document are you referring the to? Essex County Council Junction A modelling in the last report. Have I misread it? We don't know the question. In the evidence based on the local plan, mm -hmm. in the overall report, mm -hmm. there was a statement that said the Essex County Council Junction 8 modelling mm -hmm. was not required for the preferred option. I must have misread it. So, okay, okay, sorry, I'll withdraw it, sorry, I'll come back. Yeah, okay. Councillor Lodge. Yeah, just coming back to the to the terms of reference, we you'll recall that we we were to get them, and, and I mentioned, uh, to my mind, four things: the the comparative sustainability assessment, the transport assessment, particularly for Saffron Walden, the infrastructure development plan, and the air quality, particularly for Saffron Walden, is the only air care. I'm surprised we're now getting excuses for not set for not sending those out. Um, Mr Fox has referred to one aspect of commercial confidentiality but otherwise um, we will uh, go away and uh, publicly come back about those terms, the other ter where we can, in terms of the terms of reference, to let you have them. Yeah. But the, sh the, sh the terms of reference is what you give. Yeah. The, uh, sure. Sure. Yeah. Okay. We, 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 we will take that and uh, and uh, give you what we can. And if we can't, why we can't? Chairman, I can understand that uh, bids from contractors or potential contractors against terms of reference contain rates of pay and so on, but I can't understand why the terms of reference would no, uh, I include that. The terms of reference are what point. we want. Yeah. Yeah. It's the same point. We'll, yeah. we'll give you what we can. Yeah. Anything else? Okay. Uh, in which case, uh, sorry, item 12, the forward plan. So we're looking at uh, the 22nd and the 29th and what we have agreed tonight is that we will have the transport report uh, as soon as possible um, and uh, we'll have to take away whether we are going to have a special meeting to consider that. So that will be an action point please. We've heard what colleagues want. Um, otherwise you've seen what's on the forward plan and you know the timetable. Any comments? Okay, in which case uh, we move on to item 13, anything that I consider urgent to be urgent, uh, which I don't, date of next meeting, as we've said a hundred times, is the 22nd of June, unless we can fit one in earlier for the transport report, but uh, whether we do or we don't have a meeting, you will certainly get sight of it earlier, but we'll try and arrange the meeting. Um, I hereby declare the meeting closed at 8.25 and thank you for your time both to members of the committee and to members of the public. Thank you very much indeed.